Midland, Annapolis Center, do you have any test operations restricted area 2508? Area 31, Roger. Traffic is quite luminous and is exhibiting some non-ballistic motion, over. Roger, Aries 31. Continue to send it to your discretion, over. Okay, Senator. The traffic is approaching head-on, all to right, and really moving. They're right by us, right now. There are a thousand UFO sightings reported around the world every month. Ninety percent of these sightings can be explained, but ten percent cannot. Officially and unofficially, the U.S. military has been investigating UFOs since 1947. Their top secret goal is to find out what's behind these unexplained sightings. The Pentagon classifies them as unusual airborne anomalies, but a better term is X-Files. Join us now as Mac 1-1 and Commander Cobra explore these unsolved cases, UFO incidents that baffle even the U.S. military. This is Mac Maloney's Military X-Files. And now, here's Mac Maloney. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to Mac Maloney's Military X-Files show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. Welcome to the show we have for you tonight. But first, let me introduce the members of the Posse Girls. Sit down, get yourself ready. Start fanning yourself extra hard. Wait a minute. Get your big box of Kleenex, your big box of wipes, your squeegee, and your lube, because Ray Famous Juan Juan is here. Morning. Hello, Mac. Hello, girls. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody's welcome tonight. It's going to be a good show. I can feel it. Feel it? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I can feel it. What's What's going on with you across the pond? Well, it's uh, the last weekend. It's the last weekend of, uh, or last week, I should say, of summertime yes. here in the UK. Yes, yes. Same. Every, it's been same a disappointing us. summer. It has. Why? Because yeah. it rained. It was the wettest July on record. I keep being reminded we live on an island, but I mean, I didn't know it was, you know, like this, this wet. Well, there was okay. a... Uh, it was a record uh, rainfall in the Boston area, too, so it is. Uh, I'm aware of that. Maybe global. I was following it on the local websites there. Um, a couple fans want to know how the hedgehogs are doing. Are they still alive? The hedgehogs, there's multiple hedgehogs in the yard, and, you know, they, they're not a social animal. No. I mean, they, they, they don't socialize with me, but that's not the point. They don't even socialize with each other. They might, oh, really? But they do. I have them on camera. When they do, they start snorting at each other and raise their... <laughs> They're uh, spiky things. Huh, right? well, like maybe tackles. that's why they don't uh, get along because they're spiky and things. He who snorts the most oh, wins. wins. Oh. There's, there's no fighting. There's just snorting. Uh -uh. We should no, I can't stuff. remember the last time I raised my spiky things. No, me neither. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the spiky anyway. things are really bizarre when they raise them. <laughs> well, when are they not? Uh, no cocoa tonight out saving the planet, but our national correspondent, Switchblade Steve Lord, is with us down there in West Virginia. Switchy. Great to be here, Mac. Do you have your microphone turned on there, dude? Uh, no, no. Okay. I don't think so. There we go. Sound yeah. okay? Yeah, come right up onto the uh, phallus-shaped uh, object. There you go. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Switchy. So everything's good with you? Uh, uh, yeah. You know what happened 56 years ago on August 29th? Uh-oh. You were born. I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You have that marked Dr. on your calendar? Dr. Richard Kimball was exonerated. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, the fugitive. That guy. The fugitive. He's been running for four oh. years, 120 episodes, yeah. uh, uh, 30 episodes a year. Hmm. That's back when an episode only had about 10 minutes of commercials. Yeah, you ain't kidding. Man, that guy was, was tired. Yeah. He finally got the winner man, and Lieutenant Philip Gerard uh, shook his hand at the end. Shook his, so look, it, 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 was that a Quinn Martin? I've asking him for years. Was that a Quinn Martin production? It was a Quinn Martin production. So they, it was at, uh, I forget, it's 70 some million watched it that night. Yeah, it was a huge held, show. Held the record for about 13 years mm -hmm. until the Who Shot JR episode. Oh, right, yeah. Wow, huh? 
Yeah, uh, Quinn Martin Productions. Way back then, they would they would section them into four different, almost like four chapters of a story. Yeah, you know, yep. and um, they really kind of they they were intriguing, and that was the big show back then. So that also leads into Twin Peaks. Twin, Twin Peaks is another right, another perfect example. Um, let's see. Let me go. Oh, our uh, UFO mechanic, Alonaldo, in the house with us. Hello, Mac. Hello, everyone. This is going to be a getaway. <laughs> So we're going to put the food on an inspection sticker on a UFO. Uh, on a UFO, aircraft. it depends on where you go for it. Right. Mm. It's different mm. in each quadrant. Okay. Any other questions? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. you got to make sure the emergency brake works. That's true. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, our security chief is with us, Willie Cloud, WC. That's me. I'm really uh, happy to be here tonight. Now you survived two weeks I'm, south of the border, right? Yeah, you know, I, I've been away a couple of weeks, and uh, so it's good to be back, uh, you know, on the ranch. Where'd you, you went to North Carolina? Uh, south, north, and uh, all areas along 95. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I just right. felt it was a time to get away. Yeah. Yeah. 95 is my favorite route. Oh, good luck. Yeah. Yeah. That pod in Washington is a killer. Just forget about that. Oh, yeah. That's why we take yeah. the train. Take the train to Washington. Is, is the Beltway part of I-95 or yeah. what? Yes. All right. yeah, it's yeah, it bypasses it, but it really doesn't. Yeah. It really doesn't because you hit the traffic, and even in the middle of the night. Oh, yep. The worst traffic so in the world. But you, as long as you know, I mean, that, it's always like that, like you say, even in the middle of the night. So right. to me, as long as you know it's going to be that way, you just gear up for it, you know? That's true. Did you bring the caddy? Yeah, 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 huh? yeah. If I had to break it in, you know, I get some miles on it now. <laughs> okay, cool. By the way, uh, switch. You know, I, I I get so impressed by the things that you know. You are such important items in trivia. <laughs> Those are significant, you know, and, and uh, you should yeah, that be. Was a, uh, was he that going? was a big deal. That was like a that was a, a continuing premise that was unresolved, yep. and they, they they actually the suits actually debated whether or not they were going to have a conclusion because they were afraid it, it might hurt the ratings and reruns. Yeah, 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 tonight, them. all of our listeners 50 years and younger are really excited about those stats. Uh, well, <laughs> so keep up the good wow. work. Okay. No. I knew that there was a, I knew there was a hand grenade uh, in there. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just um, a pat in the back. That's a a lobbed, under the underhand lob. Yeah, right, right. Funny, it felt like something between the shoulder blades. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, listen. Also with us to hopefully give us all in order is our favorite witch up there in Sideways New York. Raven is with us. Raven, how are you? Hi, my friends. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Looking good. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Looks very good. <laughs> I might as well just get it always, over with. Always looks very good. <laughs> so what's going on with you? Anything? Nothing uh, here. Did you go see the Pixies? We did. Yeah, uh, we went on Friday. We got poured on uh, oh, but it was worth it the show no, was so they, good oh they were terrible come on you can tell us just tell us no i love the pixies mm. they were so good and the openers were great um there was really good food and i good forget beer. what they did they didn't do anything pixies? they're terrible the, probably like, <laughs> most famous is where is my mind but they did like uh here comes your man oh, hey yeah. like Doolittle's probably the most famous mm. album but amazing okay. well, and they're from boston i'm yeah, surprised no. you don't like them there. strike two what are you drinking there tonight I got a Kolsch. I uh -oh, stocked up and I stuff. have, um, I'm down to 14 cases of Kolsch. Okay, 14. All right. Um, because there's Pace none yourself. left in the stores anymore until March. So I have to make that last to March. Mm -hmm. what, what's it come out? March through like June or something? Just in the spring? Uh, I think July is when they stop ordering it and yeah. then it's just whatever's left over. They sell for like $10 a, a mm -hmm. case. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I've had it a couple times. Not a big fan. But it's so good. Yeah, well, if it did that to me, maybe I'd drink it. Uh, also, we have a guest with us here, Dr. Bob Bros, out there in Chicago. Dr. Blum, how are you doing? Good, Mac. I suppose we should probably let's clap Hello, him on. Because I might get a letter from his attorney. You never know. What's going on with you? Is it still a toddling town out there? Pretty much so. It's uh, been hot, and it's has the uh, we get the smoke cloud every once in a while. Do you really? Raven gets that sometimes. Air pretty difficult to breathe. Yeah. Are those mm. fires still? Are they still burning up there? Uh, every once in a while, whenever we have poor air conditions, the the smoke will sometimes show up as haze. Yeah. Uh -oh. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I don't oh, think man, they're like bad. as bad as they were. I yeah. think yeah. they're kind of like fizzling out, but there's like some problem areas still. Well, and think... like, that's how we get it is like, it's just like this haze that just lasts like all day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I don't think there's anything left in Canada. I think, uh, what, I think there might be some in Quebec. Uh, there might be some in Quebec, but the, the area that the ones that started out in Pacific Northwest and burned eastward, they burned up more area than the United States. Okay, wow. that's how big this thing was, but you know that's what happens. I mean, that it just happened when we, we weren't around, and it'll probably I feel happen. bad about the poor animals, though. Yeah, that's their yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, but anyway, uh, they're so, running around. They don't know what the heck's going on, yeah, and you know, uh, they have they, no place to run. Now they run. They run ahead. Not all of them get. To, not all of them is they Bambi's mother. Okay, Jeez. Bambi got out. Didn't Bambi get out of a forest fire? Yeah. See, and the and the, and the rabbit and so on. Yeah. You know, mother didn't. I don't like horses. That's okay. <laughs> Disney always kills the mother. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, man, I believe. Yeah, like you know, Dumbo and you know, yeah, yeah oh, that's right. So wow. Anyway, so um, there was a story in the paper um, or the paper, yeah, on uh, my Microsoft newsfeed yesterday, and it said guy in Harvard had found at the bottom of the Pacific, on um, I think in New Guinea, these strange little balls that were scattered all over the seafloor, and for some reason he believed. Uh, they were from some kind of an alien origin, let's say. And um, it, I thought to myself, maybe we can do a top ten. I didn't do a top ten tonight, but I was thinking, you know, top ten reasons why the little balls in the Pacific do not belong to JJ. Uh. <laughs> what do the balls look but, like? These size balls. I, I anyway, but the, well, I, so I, I I read on this thing, and I'm and I'm reading the the, the uh, headline was a little misleading, but. Uh, that's why Dr. Dr. Bob. That's why Dr. Bob is here to uh, fill okay. us in. To, Tell us, Dr. Right. To clarify all of that detail. <laughs> Speaking of little balls, hey, right? hang on, wait a second. <laughs> Look like testicles. Right? Oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. Let's go. Martians, Martians. Okay. No. All right. So what happened? I mean, I read Do this. the ACDC hit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Um, so 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 this guy is a I've, I've heard his name before he's a doctor at Harvard he is the guy who said that the thing that came into our solar system about three or four years ago that has this unpronounceable name but it looks like a submarine sandwich came yes. into our solar system and went back out again and they believe that that is the first time that they were able to identify something in our solar system that was not from our solar system and you know people think it, it, you know, it didn't act like a usual comet. It didn't act like a usual asteroid. It didn't look like one of these things. And he, he you know, had this theory that maybe this thing was some kind of a alien ship or something. So now this guy has also said uh, that he's found these little balls in the Pacific. Please, Dr. Buck. Thank you, Max. Hello, everyone. It's good to be here. Um, yes, I'm familiar with that 
situation with the, uh, it was in 2017, when a, an object flew by Earth, and uh, its name was Oumuamua, is what they named it, which it means scout. Uh-huh. And it, it went by, no one got a really good picture of it. They didn't know it was coming. I guess they were asleep or something, you know, weren't paying attention. So uh, when it went by, uh, some people, uh, I don't think they ever observed it. But Avi Loeb, Mm -hmm. who is the director of what's known as the Galileo Project at Harvard University. Go ahead. And now I was recruited for the Galileo Project back in 2021. Okay, go ahead. So I'm pretty familiar with what he's been doing. And uh, he's quite a controversial figure. Yes, I found out today. To the least. Yeah. Yeah, there are people who are just you know aren't on board with him, but 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 this thing that came in this this thing looked like a sub, and um, yes, as this, but they I know that they were able to get its approximate shape by looking at pictures of the stars and seeing if something is coming in front of the stars or something like that because they it, it really does look like a, a an extra large submarine sandwich. Yeah, it, it has it, it it's it's a it's an oblong shape. And uh, it's odd for that type of an object to have that kind of shape. Now, mm-hmm. plus, and I'm doing all this from memory right now, but also it was it was moving at times faster than it was supposed to be moving. Yeah, yeah, yep, okay. And as a result, that its original fast movement was uh, thought to be because it was coming from another solar system other than ours right okay right and and then also uh one group of scientists said that uh the reason why they thought it was going faster at given times was because there was i think it was uh hydrogen or or something that was on the device that was uh evaporating and causing it to go faster (laughs) that that could be an engine too you know yeah well and then avi stepped in yeah, right. Okay. Yes, and, that's Harvard guy, right. And then Avi stepped in. And he's, he's like 61 years old and he's, uh, you know, he, he, he is, I forget where his degree is from, okay. but he, he felt that the reason it was going faster is because it was actually a solar sail and not a meteor. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Okay. And that, and he, that whole explanation is, was in his book, Extraterrestrial. Oh, he wrote a book. Okay. All right. And, mm-hmm. And actually, hardly any of the scientists uh, went along with Avi's prediction yeah. that yeah. it was, uh, uh, he claimed it was an alien craft. He did say that, yeah. yeah. He, yes. he, 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 was, he was a little cagey in what he was saying because you can say alien right. and doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean little green men from Mars. But do they know, before we get to the little balls, do, we, do they know how big this thing was? I mean, wasn't uh, it they really? They had a pretty good idea. Uh, but I don't think anybody ever got a good picture of it because right. this was just before, if I'm not mistaken, before the James Webb Thing went up, uh, sure. satellite yeah. went up. So yeah. I don't think anyone got a picture of it. Right. They try to get a picture once the uh, the Webb si- you know, uh, satellite was up, but I don't think they got a, a picture of it. So th- it, it sounds weird, but but nothing in our sol- solar system. There's been nothing in our solar system that we know of that isn't of our solar system. Nothing has ever visited us from another solar system right. that we know of 
uh, except this thing. So now, please, let's get to the Pacific Balls, please. Doug. Okay. Now, recently, uh, Avi and a group of people. Now, again, you know, I, I'm I'm doing this from the standpoint of being with the uh, as I'm a volunteer. I was a volunteer for the Galileo Project. Okay, go ahead. And, and my job was to train and artificial intelligence computer how to recognize uap genuine uap and that's what what i was doing okay go ahead i wasn't i wasn't really working on the uh this this most recent project but i was volunteering i've been doing that since 2021 okay so uh avi got some data somewhere uh and uh what he in 2014, uh, what the data said that there was another meteor, or, or let's say another object of sorts, that also flew by into our, uh, you know, the area of the Earth. Right. Yes. Another and object from another solar system. It, it seemed like it was going fast enough to be an object from another solar system. Mm. Uh, and it it seemed to be round and and whatever. And apparently this object, when it you know how, how objects from outer space come in and then they're going so fast and so forth and they, they disintegrate yes. in our atmosphere. Yes. Well, this object in 2014, and it had like it had like a OMI number, it was a different shape uh, than the Amuamua was. Okay, go ahead. And this object uh, basically disintegrated into these little tiny pearl-like balls. Some of them are like the size of BBs and the size of grains of salt. Go ahead. And so what Avi was trying to say is the one that crashed in, it, it was near the uh, uh, Papua New, yeah. New Guinea. New Guinea, yep. Landed in the ocean. Yep. And he was trying to say, he was saying, not trying to say, he was saying that it was alien. It, the, the object was definitely an alien craft. Of the alien manufacturer. Yes. Now that's, he, he was saying that was his, again, basically sounded, that was his first choice. Right. He had, he had no evidence of that. Right. And these things are being studied now in, in places like uh, Caltech and, well, they're also being, which I, now again, you know, my doctorate's from Penn State, uh -huh. and we did some very high-level research. And there are th things that I noticed that Ivy and or Harvard are doing uh -huh. that I would have never been allowed to do at Penn State. Mm, yeah, wow, well, huh? But here's, here's my question, though. So, so they gathered up these, um, this uh, debris from the floor off of New Guinea, and it's said in the news report, that he had help from the U.S. military. And I thought to myself, no, wait a minute. The U.S. military, they should have told this guy, hey, shove off, pal. What are we going to help you for? Unless unless he convinced somebody that we should look at this thing. So, so the balls themselves, when you look at them, they don't look natural. You know what I mean? They look, no. they look like ball bearings from the future or something, right? That, yeah, that's now the ones I've seen, and apparently now this story keeps changing. And I, I'm that's I'm really bad. disappointed. Yeah, that's a bad with what I'm seeing. Go ahead. But it, uh, I think now they claimed that they collected 700 of these little balls, mm -hmm. 
And that's a lot of little balls that's to <laughs> collect when they're uh, only the size of like grains of sand. Can yeah, you imagine yeah. that? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, yeah. then they analyze their balls. <laughs> wow. We might have to put those on Mac, they, Mac one, after one Doc. One at a time, I think. Okay. One at a time. Interesting. One, okay. one at a time or a pair at a time. I forget. Yeah, I forget. pair at a time. Article. And they just say cough but, and see what happens. And what they were, yeah, cough into the sled. Club, you look like you have a comment or two. I'm afraid to say anything oh. anymore because <laughs> I always get, you know, knocked down. <laughs> no, no, that's blue, not so. true. Feel this no, is I, free I, speech, I'm, unrestrained. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying it. I, I, the source of these balls is the thing that concerns me, mm-hmm. that they would go and they wouldn't be afraid to go take them out of the ocean and touch yes. them and touch them. do all that stuff. I mean, I, I'd stay a million miles away from that Yeah, right. Stuff. Yeah, I would too. You know, thinking it's radioactive. You don't know what's coming from a, another planet or whatever. What's could be something to the soul you know pollute the the uh, oh, right. the earth right well that's true you know I think they were too I think they were too loose with the balls too loose with the balls that's uh, clubs but uh, uh, little too cavalier that was the main problem as I understand it but uh, the, the, one thing to think about those little tiny there's a name for them other than balls and I don't have it right in front of me <laughs> they're they they happen from. A lot of different things. Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. Right. You're right. You're they right. wouldn't have to have been from a meteor. Mm-hmm. And the meteor wouldn't have to. How do they know that that meteor for sure was interstellar? Right. They say there's a lot of iron content in it, but that, but they yes. say that the, that there are, there are minerals and elements inside these things. This is what they're saying might happen uh, that, that do not exist in our solar system. So, but, but yeah, and those balls are harder than any regular balls that you'd find in the ocean. Yes, right. Seriously. I'm sure, I'm sure they are, you know. So anyway, wow, that's interesting. So listen, uh, Club, do you agree with me that I shouldn't, I shouldn't have written, oh, those staff shouldn't have written top 10 reasons why the little balls at the bottom of the Pacific do not belong to Juan Juan? Uh, I believe that there should be never a top 10, regardless of whether there's balls or anything. What would I be question. doing out in the Pacific? It's just a lead question. Right, I couldn't think of more than like two or three things. So I'll that's deflect right. it back to you. Okay. All right. So, wow, the big ball controversy. Well, the little balls controversy, as it turns out. And this guy, Ivy, as you say, he, he does get in the newspaper. He does get in the media. There are, there are people who do not like him. And he says, oh, he just, he, Can I interrupt? Uh, yes, I just thought he was on TV. Yes. Yeah. The yeah. other night. Yeah, he's, he's, it caught my attention because it said from Harvard. Ooh, yeah. But it was at the end of his interview. I, I don't. Apparently, it was about that subject. I guess. But Probably on Channel Four. First time I've ever seen him on TV. Yeah. Yeah. He knows. He's 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 media friendly. Let's say you know. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with someone saying, well, I mean, people told Aristotle and Galileo and all those people they were out of their minds too, and you know who turned out to be right. But the story does change. And it, there's a lot of kind of conjecture and maybe and and so on. Do you agree, Dr. Bob? Yes. And in fact, it's a lot deeper than that because uh, there are a lot of other scientists that won't work with him because mm. it's he's they feel he's in it just for fame and fortune now because there's absolutely no uh, proof that he has right. that uh, he's finding objects from another planet, which means alien life is out there. And he's really picking up a lot of criticism. Uh, I'm very disappointed in what I'm seeing from Harvard because of that. 
But 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 you know, as I say, you know, Galileo, all those guys. I'm sure they had criticism at front at the at the beginning as well. You know, maybe he's onto something, maybe not. But they didn't have to think about the media and all that stuff back then. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the uh, part of it is like that. He's what I see is he just keeps asking for more money so he can get back and find oh, there we if, go. If, <laughs> if what these balls were actually Roll from balls. another planet. Okay. All right. Well, I just thought it was interesting that the US, U.S. military, he said, the U.S. military were heavily involved in helping him. And I thought, wow, that, that's a little interesting. You know, it isn't National Geographic helping you or GoFundMe. You know, it's the U.S. Navy, and, apparently. So, and, and he did things that were – he didn't fill out the paperwork properly. Oh, so okay. in, in uh, New Guinea, he didn't fill out the paperwork. So it, technically, he stole those balls. Oh, <laughs> There's a headline for the podcast. Okay, those, those balls belong to who? Someone else. Uh, the owner. No, they they belong to New Guinea because they were on in New Guinea's. Uh, I think within those there was a three mile or seven yeah. mile limit okay. right. of yeah. uh, that huh. property mm -hmm. uh, okay. where they found them. But uh, it's the whole thing is really. Uh, I'm really disappointed in how it worked. Because I started working with people from Harvard back in 1992 when I was working in Washington, D.C. Yes. The, those people were really professional and helpful. Yeah, yeah. And they would have never done anything like this. Not a schmucks. Yeah. Oh, well, you know. They, they stink in football, too, as well. Club, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I'm just concerned about all this. And I think they ought to get them back in the sack. I know that. Oh, get them well, no, you know, that's good. We needed a punchline in the, the segment. So why don't we do this? So we're, we're talking about New Guinea will probably want its alien balls back at some point. Yeah, I, I think it's, I think he got a phone call. It says it's New Guinea. He wants his balls back. Okay. But uh, that was, they, there you are. I don't know what happened with that lawsuit. Mm -hmm. But I, I, you know, I went up just, just so I thought you might enjoy this. I took down some of the headlines we'll Go ahead, about please. this thing that's since it started in 2011. Go ahead, please. That was in, in the media. Entertain us. And here's one. Uh, these are each like a headline from a thing, you know, from a certain media yes. place. One was how a Harvard professor became the world's leading alien, alien hunter. And then scientists deep dive for alien life leaves his peers dubious. Okay. Then Avi Loeb, a Harvard astrophysicist, says that material recovered from the seafloor could be from an extraterrestrial spacecraft. That's what, that's the headline I, I read, yep. yep. His peers are skeptical. That was the end. Then uh. it says astronomer Avi Loeb says aliens have visited, mm. and he's not kidding. <laughs> and then another one says, you know that's... Harvard professor Avi Loeb believes he's found fragments of alien technology. Mm -hmm. Then why a Harvard professor thinks he may have found fragments of an alien spacecraft? You notice they're all uh, not using the word balls as a term. Yeah, you know? and they weren't Orbs. even saying that you know that these things were just from uh, not Earth, not from Earth. They're mm -hmm. saying that these were alien craft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't even say that they're meteors. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, th these things can be formed. A lot of weird things can be formed in nature that look man-made. Yes. I mean, they, they especially like in iron and stuff like melting and all that stuff. So. It could be that. But, you know, once again, if he was on to something, that would be kind of cool, too. So, listen, why don't we do this? Dr. Bob, you want to hang around with us? Sure. Okay. Why don't we take a commercial break now, and we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Mac Maloney's Bill's Drag Sound Show here on the Distant Thunder Video Network. Please stay tuned. Hawk Hunter, the wingman, has finally rid the world of its worst-ever supervillain, Victor Robotov. 
But in Mac Maloney's latest book, War of Dragons, we learn the maniacal terrorist ghost still haunts our battered, devastated planet. In War of Dragons, book 22 in Mac's best-selling wingman series, Hawk and his united American allies uncover Victor's bizarre plot from beyond the grave. The super-terrorist hid six nuclear bombs around the Mediterranean before he died, knowing their detonation will empty out the Great Sea and cause a worldwide catastrophe. Guarding these weapons of mass destruction, he's left behind a family of ferocious air dragons, eternal aerial sentinels that will stop at nothing to protect their late master's unthinkable secrets. Sailing aboard their gigantic aircraft carrier, the USS USA, Hawk and the United Americans must battle their way across the Mediterranean, slaying these dragons in hopes of beating Victor's allies to the nuke's secret locations before time runs out. If not, then the world will face a very nasty, very watery Armageddon. It's Game of Thrones meets Top Gun in Wingman 22, War of Dragons by Mac Maloney, on sale now on Amazon. Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. Why would show we have for you tonight? Very quickly, let me introduce you to the members of the posse. Girls, the very famous Juan Juan is here. Hello, girls. Hello, Mac. Happy to be on the show as always. And, and as you know, I live for this. Yes, yes, we all do. Believe us. On my calendar, I have alerts every day and then every four hours really? as the day arrives. Really? Yeah, taking the time down. To hit this show. But yep. it is boring mm -hmm. over there. Just admit it. <laughs> <laughs> it did, wait, it did, I miss that. <laughs> anyway, also with us is our national correspondent for Switchblade, Steve Warren. Switchy. Great to be here tonight. Special effects wizard that you are. Yes. So you have the, you, you got to get up on your microphone then, my pal, my friend. Yeah, turn the game up or something. My friend. Yeah, it's gonna, really hard hey, to hear you. What did you have for breakfast? Well, let's let's get him so we can hear him first. Just bring it over there. Don't oh, say. I don't know. Bring it right over to you. All right. I mean, bring it right up so we can see it in the screen. You got to talk right into it. I don't know what has happened. Have you changed? Have you? Did you clean your room or something? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, okay. No. <laughs> okay. And we'll just speak up. Pro clean the house, though. Project, project. Okay, project. Okay. Okay. All right. Also with us is our security chief, Willie Cloud, WC. Mac, it's great to be here tonight. Yes. And, uh, I want to credit Dr. Bob, you know, because this show is balls of fun. <laughs> oh. Okay. Jerry Lee Lewis is in there somewhere. Right. Also with us is our uh, UFO mechanic, Al Ronaldo, in the house. Hey, Mac. Hello, everyone. He's Quite a, hello, we just refer to them as orbs. Orbs. Orbs, orbs is a very... Is a, I mean, yes. that would get us out of a lot of... Uh, right, right. And it sounds very science fiction -y and also sounds kind of sanitary. Right. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Unless you Google them, and then you might get. Well, then don't yeah. don't do that at home, kids. Also with us is our favorite Google chip, the inside. We see our Raven is what it's Raven. Hello, my friends. Thank you so much for having me. Drinking a that terrible beer that she loves. Uh, it's a ruby red grapefruit, friend. <laughs> so do I have to say anymore? 
I should make a song about it. Okay. okay. Well, it's effective. Is that it a sounds. breakfast beer, ruby red grapefruit? That would be good. Breakfast well, beer. Yeah, I mean, any mm. beer can really be a breakfast beer. That though. runs off. I guess. Yep. You try hard enough. That's true. You have to try. I try that, yeah. but my yeah. wife is right there going... It's not a good, not a good, good look for you. I had beer on Frosted Flakes once. Al, you gotta there. just put it in a coffee cup. No one's gonna say anything. Oh, she's right there when I'm kicking out of the refrigerator. So, I, you know. <laughs> listening in on us is a doctor, Doctor Bob. Doctor Bob Gross from Chicago. Doctor Bob, how are you? Hello, Mac. Hello, everyone. It's a great night tonight. Yeah. All right. We're only half hour into it, so you know, you never know where it's gonna go. Could be a roller coaster, as it turns. Yeah. Out. Anyway, uh, Raven has reports, so why don't we put her bumper in right now? And now, it's time for Raven. Raven, what do you have? I was just going to send you guys a picture. I'm sorry, I was lagging a little bit. I, I have a question first. Okay, go ahead. Go for it. For, for you beer drinkers. Now you're too loud. Now you're too loud. What have you done? What have you done? <laughs> Jeez Louise. Yes, you did something. Okay. Sit back. Get away from the microphone. There you go. Okay, go ahead. Okay, how's this? Good. It, is, it's, it's, it is good. Okay, good. Wow. So for you you beer drinkers, now I've, I'm not a connoisseur. I've had a few different beers. Oh, yeah. To me, they all taste the same, yeah. and they all taste bad. Yeah, I Give agree me with the you. names of some beers that don't suck. I agree with you. I don't like the taste of beer. Uh, uh, the first time I had a taste of beer for my father's on um, Paps, you know, when I was probably one or two, I said, you got to be <laughs> shitting me, man. This, take, this stuff tastes awful. Why is everyone drinking it all the time? Well, see, I like Paps. But, like, um, I would say, like, if you're not a it? beer drinker, yes, like do. Blue Moon, easily. But, but, but beer is beer. Right. Beer does not taste good to me. Okay, a Jack and Ginger tastes good to me. You know, beer, <laughs> champagne for me. I thought champagne was going to taste like really good ginger ale. Champagne is a little kind of, you know what I mean, a little Ooh, too fizzy. Yeah. You switch. I recommend Heineken. Kind of skunky. I mean, I drink it. Don't get me wrong, but I, it is kind of skunky. Sorry. It doesn't have kind of a prestige that goes with it because it's Heineken. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's not supposed American to say beer. It's, 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 I used to drink Heineken oh, back in the 70s. So tell you what, Steve, Steve when you go to the... Back in the old days, go when ahead. you used to put tape decks in your car, Yes. Yep. Yeah, I had, had my buddies, they're going to help me put it in. They said, okay, we're going to put this in, but you got to buy us uh, some beer. Yes. So I had no idea what to buy them. So I go to the store and I buy Schlitz. So I bring the Schlitz back. And they said, Schlitz. <laughs> what, 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 I can't tell you what else they said. What are you insane? Uh, yeah. Something rhymes with Schlitz. Yeah, yeah. You ain't kidding. Come on, one. Coming through. <laughs> and what did they do with that tape deck? <laughs> Oh, it worked. It was it was, it was great. It worked really, really well. Fortunately, eight track, right? Uh, no, no, because eight track. Come on, eight, eight tracks are good though. Eight tracks. Oh man, I had a Craig, Craig uh, under dash eight track. Man. Yeah, they were good. Oh, hey, Doctor Bob, listen before Probably we get to before we get back to Switchy's breakfast and then to Raven's report. Do you agree that eight track was a very good? You're an audio guy. Wasn't it wasn't very good in in reproducing? You see, there you go. This is, <laughs> this is instant analysis because the tape was wider. That's all. There's no. When I, I was a, a radio broadcaster, and we all all of our tapes were eight tracks because they were higher quality than eight. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. what about when it went? It, it, it was playing a song and it clicked. Yeah, it clicked. That was track. awful. They should have. Yeah, they should have. Uh, I, I don't know why they did that because they could have. Because my, a friend of mine had his own eight track, you know, uh, maker. And, he, and you would hear the click, but it would, the song would just be, you know, would not be interrupted. I don't know why they did that on commercial songs, but they did. Anyway, that's another mystery. Yeah, they'd fade it out, and then you hear the click, then fade yeah, it out. Yeah, it's stupid. You know. It's stupid. 
Uh, Switchy. In the middle of the Led Zeppelin song. Yeah, who needs that? Switchy, before we get to Raven's Report, what you have for breakfast today? I was hungry and I know this why. Morning, yes. I made some hot black coffee, some uh, Folgers breakfast blend. Oh, this sounds and bad. And I had uh, Entenmann's Donuts, not, not the chocolate frosted ones. I had a couple of uh, powdered sugar yes. and one thing. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. How many did you have all told? I'm going to say three. Well, throughout the morning, over a, a period of time, <laughs> it was actually four. Four, huh? Okay. Oh, that's all right. It's healthy. It's good. Sure, that it, Entenmann's had that variety box, right? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow, big. She's killing me. Real good. Real good. <laughs> anyway, uh, Raven, why don't we get to uh, your report? I think I've already put your bumper in. We're going to put it in again. Hang on. And now, it's time for Raven. Look oh, at oh, oh, club. Oh, club leaves the, the frame oh, for about man. two seconds. He's trying to torment one one here. Club, club, you always have the right. A, a box of Entenmann donuts. Wow. Well, you know, you got to have everything on hand if you well, sure. have company, you know. Well, Jeez, that, accounts, that accounts for that powdery substance under your nose. You've just been eating those things, right? <laughs> <laughs> How much would it cost to ship a box of those things to the UK? They'd be stale, though, too. They'd be stale by the time. I know. Take, these these have preservatives, and, and they last for like three months. Oh, let's get we'll, <laughs> we'll do it as an experiment. Inside and out. Okay. This particular box, in fact, yes. this one... It's not as good, but it's good till uh, September 19th. That's okay. That's all right. <laughs> anyway. So, we, you know, they would last. <laughs> a pastry product that's good to September 19th of this year. There you go. There you go. You sure it's this year? If it's a sell-by date of September 19th, you just add another month to it. It's on a bakery yeah, product, right? Yeah, of course. Um, as an eat-by. Lois's uncle ran Entenmann's trucking business. Oh, jeez, really? Think about that for a second. I'm thinking about it. Okay. That's my dream job. <laughs> it was his, too. <laughs> anyway, uh, why don't we go once again to Raven's Bumper right here. And now, it's time for Raven. What do you have for us, right? Okay, I sent you guys a picture to go along with it, um, just so you have some context here. I'm sorry, my cat is here and she just sneezed. So sorry if you hear that. Um, but okay. we are talking about the Toronto Tunnel Monster, a.k.a. the Cabbage Town Tunnel Monster. Um, and this is August 1978, Parliament Street, Toronto, Canada. Um, and for context, we'll be discussing an underground creek system uh, similar to tunnels um, that were created in a way to expand the city of Toronto during, during its early development without being in the way. Um, so kind of like picture that like underground. Mm -hmm. um, so we're talking about our friend Ernest. Um, he's 51 years old and he's a resident of the Parliament Street apartment building. Um, him and his wife had been raising a litter of kittens and one day one of them went missing. Um, Ernest went looking for the kitten uh, when he spotted a dark opening between his apartment building and then the one next door leading into this underground tunnel. Ernest crawled approximately 10 feet in when he encountered a strange humanoid creature. Um, now, while he was reluctant to speak with reporters about the incident, Ernest did eventually explain the events that occurred to The Sun. Um, that's just a Toronto-based newspaper. Um, the creature spoke to him, quote, I'll never forget it. It said, go away, go away, in a hissing voice. Then it took off down a long tunnel off to the side. 
I got out of there as fast as I could. I was shaking with fear, end quote. Ernest describes this being as long and thin, almost like a monkey, three feet long, um, large teeth, weighing maybe 30 pounds with slate gray fur. He also described uh, that the eyes stood out as being an orange reddish and they were slanted. Um, and according to Ernest, quote, I saw a living nightmare that I'll never forget, end quote. And what I find most interesting about this um, is that Ernest had no intention of going to the media uh, to share what he saw as he was afraid people would think he was a drunk or he was crazy and no one would take him seriously or believe him. And that's not uncommon as we've seen um, for a witness to be unsure of coming forward for fear of the ridicule, for fear of the ridicule. Um, a local Toronto newspaper, like I had said, ended up contacting him. That's the son. Um, they contacted Ernest directly after hearing about his encounter from a reliable source. Um, and he agreed to talk to them as long as his last name was redacted, which is how we got Ernest's account of the events. In 1979, Ernest, accompanied by the son, returned to the passageway. Quick trigger warning here, animal things. Um, sadly, they did find the kitten, um, the body of the kitten that had disappeared the previous year, um, which they noted was half buried. Um, the discovery of the cat reminded Ernest of the uh, strange noises that he heard prior to his encounter um, with this tunnel thing. He said he recalled um, hearing noises that sounded like an animal in pain before the cat had gone missing. Um, so Ernest showed the son uh, where his encounter took place and where the creature ran off to. The passage had a drastic drop um, that seemed to go on for miles. And it is said that the tunnels connect to the sewer system and that this opening by Ernest's apartment is simply an access point, if you will, um, for the creature to come in and out. Um, now, Ernest's story was very strange. However, uh, the sewage employees did not ridicule or, or scoff at him, um, according to the report that they made uh, by the Toronto Sun at the time. Uh, one worker was quoted in the in the paper stating, quote, people who work on the service just don't know what it's like down there. It's a whole different world. Who would have thought a few years ago that people would live in sewers, and yet that's what they found in New York a few years back. Another was quoted as saying, I don't know what he, meaning Ernest, saw down there. He also stated, I'll tell you one thing, if we, <clears throat> excuse me. If we could ever get in there, I sure as hell wouldn't want to go down alone. Um, and it is interesting to note that in the description of the creature provided by Ernest uh, and an artist rendering, which is what I sent to you, and I would encourage anyone listening to either type in the Toronto Tunnel Monster or the Cabbage Town Tunnel Monster, and this will this will come up. Um, but in the artist rendering, uh, which was included in the original um, Sun article, resembled some current reports of another strange creature which was the South American Chupacabra. And that, my friends, is the Toronto Tunnel Monster, a.k.a. the Cabbage Town Tunnel Monster. Wow. Wow. Raven, did has it ever appeared again? Has anyone ever seen it, or was it just a one-time? It seems like a one-off. Um, the only thing that was kind of jokingly connected to it was, um, this was, I think, in the early 2000s, somebody found a monkey that had gotten loose and um, escaped into an Ikea in okay. Toronto, right. but it was like a legitimate little monkey, but people, because it was in Toronto and this was described as looking like a monkey, people said that it was the Toronto tunnel monster, but it, it wasn't. Wow. Huh? Hmm. 
Hmm. Wow, that's nuts, man. Um, yeah. How can you top that? So, so I mean, does anyone have any idea what it could have been? Or, I mean, no. I don't. I mean, I don't know. Like, I I go to like um like twenty eight days later, okay. you know, with the the like infected monkeys and. Yes. But like the thing is, it's like it seems like if it was sick in some way, like it was a sick animal, yes, it would probably try to attack you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Maybe, I know the picture. I don't... The... The picture you sent us with the red eyes. I did not see the picture. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, I I thought it was like Mothman. Maybe it's a, like an underground Mothman-ish, Mothman. really. Hmm. Maybe another... maybe it's a very distant relative. Wow, yeah, that's what it reminded me of. As soon as I saw it. Hmm. So, so, so Raven, there was re- repeated repeated uh, sightings of this thing, right? It wasn't just a one-off, right? From what I can see, it's a one-off. It's a one-off. Okay. Yeah. And, and there are some of those, like the Dober Demon. Saw him twice, the infield horror. These things seem to come oh, out of wow. nowhere and then saying? melt away, but okay. they don't have the, the permanency or the uh, connection to some of the other classic cryptids like Bigfoot or the Jersey Devil or, or whatever. Yeah, Or like the Chupacabra. That's right. been like a mm-hmm. multiple sighting, which is interesting that it's compared to this because they really only have like that one encounter and then that was it. And like I said, Ernest wasn't even going to go and, and report this because he didn't want people thinking he was a nut. And I get it. Mm-hmm. Like that, that sucks when something crazy like that happens like you don't feel like there's anyone you can go to let alone a newspaper yeah, in the right, 70s. yeah. right yeah but you know th- but they've had they have pictures of the uh Chugo, Chu, how do you say it Chu, how do you say it chupacabra. yeah i mean they have pictures of of you know there's obviously you, you, some yeah, kind but of that's the the texas chupacabra it's a real animal it's some kind of a hybrid the original ones they were seeing oh. in puerto rico yes. was more like a like a Jersey Devil or a Mothman. It oh, seemed wow. to have supernatural properties. There's two yes. kinds of them? Really? Holy cow. Who knows? Yes. The one that's in Texas almost looks like, um, I want to say like a mutated coyote Yeah, coyote. Yeah. yeah. Is a good oh. way of describing it? That's why I thought they but, were. Wow. Wow, that's interesting. Well, up yeah, in Toronto, so too. All of our Toronto friends, watch your, watch your tunnels and let us yeah, know what you couldn't. can find. Right. So, wow, that was interesting. Why we don't we do name this? the rename the uh, the name of the team, the baseball team, too. What the tunnel the, monsters? The, the tunnel monsters. Tunnel monsters. Hey, that listen, would be cool. I'll tell you yeah. the, a good name for a band. She said it was the Infected Monkeys. Huh? Come Ooh. on, man, Infected <laughs> Monkeys. All right. On that note, why don't we take a commercial break? Thank you, Raven. Let's clap for Raven. She, we don't, we don't, we don't nice clap show. for her enough. Nice okay? And uh, I'll tell you what, we'll be right back after this. We've all heard of Area Fifty One the U.S. government's top-secret base in the Nevada desert. But have you ever heard of Area 52, or 53, or 54? 54? 54. How about Tonopah Test Range, or the Navy's secret base inside the Bermuda Triangle? Find out about them and more in Mac Maloney's Beyond Area 51, Mysteries of the World's Most Forbidden Places. Did Richard Nixon show Jackie Gleason a crashed alien spaceship near the swamps of Florida? Is it true that more UFOs are seen over a small Scottish village than anywhere else in the world? And is there a secret place in Russia that some people think is heaven on earth? In Mac Maloney's Beyond Area 51, you'll visit more than a dozen top secret places around the globe. The haunted forests of New Jersey. A valley in Colorado where shadows come alive and humans can fly without wings. And where's the only secret base in America that's not been visited by UFOs? You've heard Mac talk all about these places on his radio show. Now you can read all about them yourself. That's Mac Maloney's Beyond Area 51, Mysteries of the World's Most Forbidden Places. Now on sale at Amazon.
Welcome back, everyone, to Macaroni's Milk Track Style Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Macaroni Wow, what a show we have for you tonight. Very quickly, girls, the very famous Juan Juan is here. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Uh, it's fun so far. Girl Switchblade Steve Ward is here as well. It is great to be here. Our security chief, Willie Club, here. Willie. Yeah, I agree with Switch. It's great to be here tonight. Edward Nando, getaway <laughs> driver, is here. Hello, everyone. Okay. And our uh, good friend, Dr. Bob Gross. Dr. Hello, Bob. Mac. Hello, gang. Hello, everyone. And we have a, uh, a guest with us tonight. Did I, did I get everyone? Raven. Oh, no, oh, Raven. Oh, my God. All right, we got to start the segment over again. Hang on. Everyone. No, we don't. Why? No, we don't. <laughs> All right, hang on. I'll cut it in here. Ready, right here. And also, we can splice Raven on here. Right saving here. the best for last is a <laughs> very good rich up there in Sideways New York, Raven. Raven, how are you? Hi, my friends. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Hello, Raven. Hello. It's <laughs> probably written, written down the date of uh, the date that I forgot to introduce. Sorry, Raven. We'll we'll fix it in the editing room. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> Also joining us is our, I guess, David Charles. David, how are you? Let's just clap for him just because of that name. Well, you know, they say you can never trust a man with two first names, but I've got three of them. Really? He brought it up. So, you know, yeah, (laughs) we have to clear the elephant in the room. Okay, I've never heard Uh, that until today. But, yeah, so what happened? So what's your your, middle name as well? Like uh, uh, David Charles, yeah. Say that again, please. David Paul Charles. Really? Yeah. Mm. Sorry, man. Sounds like a serial like killer. It. I'm sorry, but you, you know, know, someone someone has to bear this cross. <laughs> okay. <there you> go. <laughs> so, so tell us about your company first of all. Tell us the name of the company and what you do, actually. Yeah, sure. So our company is Mood HelloMood.com, and we sell federally lawful THC products shipped directly to your door. Uh, wherever they are provincially accepted, which is most states, mm-hmm. uh, we sell really high quality made in America cannabis. Yes, it gets you high. Yes. Um, it is still federally lawful. Okay. Um, and we've got we've got uh, operations here in Oklahoma City, where I am right now, hmm. uh, about a thirty thousand square foot warehouse with about fifty employees on uh, the distribution side and about fifty folks that are remote. Um, we've got a ton of veterans in our employee. We're very proud of that. Yes. Uh, military culture runs in my family as well. Uh, my grandfather uh, was an immigrant from Belarus who fought uh, in Iwo Jima. Hmm and got actually blown up and uh, survived wow. in North Africa. And wow. my father was a submarine nuke in the 80s. Oh, so was Switchy. Wow, Switch was in the submarine service. So uh, I, I was on a fast attack. Fast attack. Yeah, my father was. He was on the USS Dallas. Okay, I was on the billfish. The cool. billfish, yeah. Cool. It's it really, it it really the tuna fish, but he says the billfish. So, <laughs> so uh, now how long is your uh, how long have you had the business? I mean, uh, uh, you know, I'll say this. Yes, it gets you high because I'm one of your customers, and I was just astonished one day that I said that I saw you could buy hashish through the mail and hash, as the kids call it, and uh, and you can. I was just I was I was I was just uh, flabbergasted. So. Uh, how did how are you able to do that? Let's just get right to the matter. How are you able to do that? Yeah, it's it's a it's a function of the 2018 Farm Bill. Uh, 2018 Farm Bill basically drew a line in the sand for all cannabis, and they said on one side is marijuana. This is the stuff that has a really high delta nine THC concentration in it, okay. and on the other side is hemp. Hemp is anything that does not have a super high delta nine THC concentrate uh, concentration to it by dry weight. Okay, uh, so. What you saw in 2018, 2019 was this big boom of CBD products. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon everybody realized, well, CBD is kind of bubkis in isolation. It doesn't do anything. Okay. Uh, so, so folks started experimenting with other forms of THC, such as Delta-8 THC, which we use a lot of, or THCA, which we're moving into. 
um, which is federally lawful under the 2018 Farm Bill, and yes, still gets you high. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you've got the you've got the the 2023 Farm Bill, um, which is looming. Um, you know, it should pass in September. Okay. That ain't going to happen. It's probably going to get a six or 12 month extension and we will see where the chips fall. Um, but you have a lot of states um, who are very cool with this. Okay, um, sure. And they're actually specifically regulating it. For example, Tennessee recently passed a adult use hemp tax. It's a privilege tax of 7% additional. Tax. And they said, you know what? Don't sell it to people under 21 and use child resistant packaging. We are yeah. very happy to play ball with those regulations. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're actually seeing it kind of break along state lines where you're having uh, the blue states, uh, California, New York, they go along these hyper regulated routes that yes. are really not friendly to small business. Yes, yes. Uh, and then you that. have red states that are really hemp states, you know, places like Kentucky, North Tennessee, Carolina, yeah. Florida, Tennessee. And they say, yeah, you know, do your thing, free commerce, be responsible with it and pay us, pay us our tax. Yeah, in so, Massachusetts, most of us are in Massachusetts, uh, we're kind of Massachusetts Central. And they, um, you know, had marijuana was delegalized. I mean, was legalized probably I don't know three or four years ago, maybe more. And the way they did it though, because in Massachusetts you cannot have any fun. That you know, the Puritans still kind of run the place, and you you can't really have any fun. And so they made them into these weird hybrids of a drugstore and a Chinese restaurant, where you would go in and you. you I, I think they want to be Apple geniuses as well, and they're not. But you go into this. Instead of going into a liquor store and, and shopping, hey, I'll have this, 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 you have to show your ID, you know, at least twice. You know, two people have to be there at the point of the set. They take all the fun out of it. Uh, you know, and, and and the pot is of a certain um, powerfulness. I don't know how you would call it. Okay. And it doesn't, no matter what they sell you, it's never going to be any higher, you know. And it might be 0.5 THC. I, I don't know. It's 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 a ship in a storm. It's a port in a storm, you know. It's... um. It's and it's expensive too. That's another thing. It's ex- so, but getting it through the mail from you guys was. And they easy. don't have a money back guarantee either. Well, there's no money back guarantee at the pot store. No, we do. Yeah. We have a 90 day money back guarantee. You, you know, we uh, it's you know we we run it like a tech company because in essence it is. But at the end of the day, it's old fashioned business. We're trying to deliver a great product at mm-hmm. a fair price and treat people fairly, which means, yeah, if they don't like it, come back to us. We'll either give you a new product or we'll just give you your money back if you want to part ways. Ethically, that's how we sleep at night. You right, know, sure. we, we don't want to screw anybody over. Right. And so uh, I'm amazed, it, David, at the at the variety of product you have here. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, we've got we've got over cool. 150 unique products, multiple sizes of each. Um, we're mm. just you know and how doing long? Yes, yeah. Uh, Great how, marketing. How long have you? Uh, how long have you had the business? I think I asked that before. Yeah, so uh, we've been open to the public for coming up on thirteen months, brand new. Oh, okay, brand um, new. really new. Prior to that, my co-founder and I did about six months of pre-work, mm-hmm. uh, really wrapping our arms around this business because there's there's a lot of complexity to scaling sure. up this kind of operation. I can imagine. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a new business. Are you said? Are you? Did, are you uh, is your business located in Oklahoma City? Yeah, so uh, our wow. warehouse is where we where we process and distribute all of our all of our products. Mm-hmm. Um, about half of our workforce is here in Oklahoma City, and the other half are remote. I, I never envisioned myself spending any significant amount of time here. Yes, uh, and we we kind of ended up here as a fluke, last minute decision. Um, but we've been really blessed because the people here are salt of the earth, smart, mm-hmm. warm. Yeah, where were you from? Where are you from originally? Um, I never know how to answer that question because the truth is I moved around a lot as a kid. Okay. Uh, 
So I'm not, I don't know, from the internet. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. You're not from New York City or anything like that, are you? I spent five years there. Did you really? Holy cow, huh? No, he's from New York City. Yeah, he's yeah. He's from New York. Yeah, you can say yeah. you're from New York. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. You should be embarrassed if you're baseball teams, but that's another show. So, well, so, I mean, you're wearing the Bo Sox hat, and you know, you must be a glutton for punishment. No, well, yeah. four World Series in the past. This year we are. No, I'm not going to yeah. defend them ever. I'm never going to defend them because they, as and I say this all the time, at least when it comes to the Yankees, no matter what they do, they're always trying to win, no matter what. They're always trying. And the Boston Red Sox and a lot of other teams, that isn't their motto. You know, it's make money, make money, you know. But anyway, another show. So, what did you do before you did this? How, how did you know how to do this? Um, years and years of ups, downs, and the occasional bust, but all working in e-commerce mm. and tech. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I really, I really cut my teeth in e-commerce and then eventually I moved over to telehealth and health tech. Mm. Um, and I was just really interested in, I guess, solving big problems for people at scale and using technology, not being a technology first company, but I was, I've always been interested by tech enablement. Mm-hmm. So in other words, how can we do how can we take something that works really well on a small scale and make it work for a hundred times the amount of people or a thousand times the amount of people? Sure. Yep. That's, that's just always like building that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, you, you know, a lot of years of, uh, of trying small wins, big losses, and you know, this is the result of it. Right. Right. Um, so let's just explain for the people out there who don't know what hashish is, right. From my, you know, from what I can remember, <laughs> remember it was just this like very, very concentrated, pot in a way right yeah it's 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 um it's got um it's almost like if you think about like a very um hard paste like material or almost like a clay yes um, yeah. and it's it's comprised of, of of plant matter a bunch of trichomes which are the little crystals uh-huh. on a cannabis plant um and they've been uh, i suppose assembled and pressed together it's a pressed concentrated product uh-huh. uh and so the potency is is really up there. It was uh, it was really big in the seventies, eighties, nineties. Afghan hash, Moroccan hash, of which we carry both. Mm. Um, and and you know, young people now, uh, the, the market has really shifted towards even stronger concentrates. Like if you ever heard the term dab, it's mm. like an ultra concentrated cannabis product, which oh. we sell as well. Wow. Huh? Uh, Okay. But but we we take pleasure in introducing these kind of old sure. school products. It's called dab. Dab. D a b. Yeah. Sure. I've heard we'll get a pound of it. Which is bad spelled backwards. Exactly. Wow. That's good marketing, too. Listen, I I, got to tell this very quick story. So, way back when. This is amazing stuff. Yeah, you ain't kidding. I love it. Way back when we, we, a bunch of us, but in college, a bunch of us had a a house, right? And um, um, and every once in a while, there was some weed, you know, moving through there and so on. But just one day, one of the guys got a chunk of hash, okay? And and it looked like almost the size of an ice cube, which was a lot of hash. That's a lot of hash. They, I can remember them cutting it up, cutting it up, okay, and and then being distracted. And we went outside, you know, who knows why, get a puff, whatever, come back in, and the cat, there was oh. a cat there who ate it. He was a um, Siamese cat that, that this, this guy's girlfriend had living there, and he ate this hash. You're going, what the, oh. what the, you know? So the cat disappears for like three days, okay? <laughs> he's, he's up under someone's bed, okay? And he comes down after three days, and you know, we talk about cats on the show too much, but Siamese cats are especially have that too. Okay, they really have that kind of world too. This cat was the friendliest cat in the world, and ate like crazy. Ate, like had permanent munchies from the end. And I saw him like six months later at the girlfriend's house, and he was so 
hefty. His stomach was dragging on the kitchen floor. <laughs> this is how this guy got into this. Is what Hash did to him, but I'm sure they won't do that to us either. Wow, so that's crazy. So, so you have a lot of veterans working for you, David, right? We do, and it, and it, it wasn't even. It wasn't even that we went out and we said, hey, we're going to hire only veterans or mostly veterans or anything like that. We just said we want to hire, regardless of somebody's immutable characteristics or past experience, we want to hire people that seem like they give a shit. Can I can I swear on here? You can now. Yeah, sure. We want people that give a shit. We want people that are missionary. We want people that are smart and hardworking. And lo and behold, a lot of those people happen to be veterans. So we've got a lot mm. of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good work pool to, to uh, you know, dip into, you know, because they're, mm. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I've i never been in the service, but I have a lot of family who was in the service. And um, my hat's off to anyone. No matter what you did in the service, you gave up that time of your life to, you know, for our country. You know, it sounds maudlin, but it's true. Um, so anyway, so how many people do you have working there now? You said about 50? Uh, 50, 50 on the distribution side and about another 50 on the remote digital side. So mm -hmm. about 100 in total. And how do you grow the company? How do you grow a company like this? Um, essentially, it's a, it's a function of, well, we acquire customers by advertising. We spend a ton of money on, mm -hmm. on digital ads. And we're now branching into direct mail and out-of-home billboards and what have you. Yep. Um, it was a function of scaling advertising. And from everything from that, everything else comes. You're talking about scale inventory, yes. scaling operations, customer support, advertising operations, um, everything in distribution. Um, mm. and then all of the all the kind of support roles that go in that, you know, for example, say, you know, the company is, you know, turning over X a month, one guy can run inventory. Mm -hmm. When the company's turning over five X, well, all of a sudden it's a lot more complex and you have to look deeper into numbers and plan more around supply chain. And wow. so these kind of incremental roles go into supporting it. Mm -hmm. um, and we we took a few months this year. Oh, and tech is a big one, tech and engineering. Yep. yep. Um, but we took a few months this year and we we didn't pause advertising, but we we, we took our foot off the gas. Yes, yes. And we invested in building the infrastructure and building the team so that we can support this next season of growth. Mm -hmm. And we're now Fortunately, yeah, that's exciting stuff. Advertising is a weird thing. Advertising is a strange thing. You know, you could, you can, you know, there's just a different, different roads it can go down. You know, the thing is, but one word of mouth, though, word of mouth is the is the number one thing. It really is. You know, and um, uh, so where do you see where what's it going to be in five years? Where's it's uh, <laughs> it's hard to say. Um, Will you have a Boston I, factory that we can go tour or something? Yeah, you're you're welcome to any any time you want to come to Oklahoma City. Seriously, you're you're welcome. We'll okay. give you a factory tour, give you a bunch of samples, t-shirts, and hats. But, wow, um, we're on our way. I'll be there for the samples. <laughs> Who grows it? Where oh, do they well, get you, it? You, you got to try this one thing. So, um, so we've been selling edibles for a while, and and one of the, our, our edibles are things that we buy from from a company that specializes in making edibles. And I'm I'm very picky, and I'm a perfectionist, and I've always thought these edibles they're fine. But they're kind of like a grocery store bakery sort of quality, like up above that, but not that much above that. Right. And don't get me wrong, you know, like a Chips Ahoy Nabisco cookie, that's it's a it's a good cookie. Mm -hmm. I'll eat that. I'll eat too many of those cookies and regret it the next day. It happens <laughs> yes. all the time. Yes. But but we wanted to do something really spectacular. So I pulled my father out of semi-retirement. After after the Navy, he was an engineer and then he ended up uh, buying and running a, a small chocolate factory in Maine for about 15 years. Really? So he's an expert in confections. Well, let's get uh, him on. Of, okay, we're close cool. to Maine. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so, so I got him, and then and then we hired a, a PhD food scientist who specializes in cannabis, and the two of them butted their heads together and argued around what, what should the ideal cookie be, mm. and now we're 
D on the first phase, and I got to tell you, this is, these are some of the best cookies. Really? Have. Yeah, yeah. Hey, stuff. Good stuff comes when when people are butting heads. You know what I mean? Those are just those are good ideas. Trying to, you know, kind of assimilate. So that's cool. So you're gonna do. So you think you'll have like re, like lines of cookies and you know, I mean, real edibles like cookies. Yeah, wow. yeah we're we're starting with the chocolate chip cookies, and then from there we're going into other cookies: oatmeal raisin, snickerdoodle. We're going to cereal treats, you know, rice krispie treats, applejack treats, cocoa pebble. Treats, Listen, like, you see what we've what, you see what we're listening to here. This is <clears throat> you're curing your munchie, your munchies right along with getting high. On on the note of time horizons, I, I want to. Uh, this, this is something that's occurred to me a lot recently uh, about a year ago when we first started it was nothing but problems and 18 hour days and so much stress and i used to i used to wish that i could fall asleep and wake up like now yes when yeah a lot of these problems have been solved and the business is flourishing but now that i'm here honestly i kind of wish that i could fall asleep and go back to them and do yeah, it all over yeah, go yeah, back yeah, to yeah. crazy town Jeez. yeah yeah well yeah don't worry okay it might get crazy again you'll see so so get- can I, I, I can ask go a ahead, question? Some, some of your products be considered uh, uh, refined enough to be medicinal in nature where you could take a measured quantity to, say, level out a headache or you know, relieve a little uh, uh, muscular stress or something like that. So big Asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Uh, I have to disclaim um, that my my our lawyers would kill me if I made any kind of claims about curing, treating, or preventing any. Yeah, product. without the claim, yeah, I know you. I know you wouldn't be able to make, do a claim on it. What I what I can say though, and in, in, in all in all seriousness, is is cannabinoids function different for everybody. So yeah. your perfect amount is uh, is going to be different than somebody else's. But we do try to take the guesswork out of that as much as possible mm-hmm. uh, by offering very accurate, accurately labeled products. Cool. So for example, one of our 15 milligram Delta 9 THC gummies, cool. it's going to have 15 milligrams of Delta 9 THC in there. And you can cut mm-hmm. it up and kind of find your, your mm-hmm. right amount. Yeah. What, yeah. what would you That's say to idea. people who have never had gummies, who have never, never had gummies, never smoked pot, never smoked hash? How would you get them to try it? Whoops! What is that? Oh, fine. Cool. What's that? Blueberry ice cream? Is it oh, THC? It's THC some, ice cream. What is that? Chews. What is that? Oh, the club has edibles. Hoofa. <laughs> Blueberry gummies. They, oh wow! You got to come down in a coma on Friday nights, there. They're good for sleeping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's. I think. And my question was, how do you how do you introduce it? You know, uh, these kinds of products to people who, you know, are a little shy about, are afraid about taking them. And I'll tell you, that's the first thing is that they help you sleep. And a lot of people yeah, like to take them before and they help them sleep. Definitely. And we, we actually have some gummies that are formulated specifically for sleep with THC and melatonin and CBN mm-hmm. um, and a lot of CBD, which helps helps kind of bring on a nice sleepy vibe. Mm-hmm. Um but for people who don't know, I, I think it's confusing because these days you really have to have a PhD in, in cannabis science to really you know, understand what you're looking at. And there's all these lab reports and, and all the rest of it. Um, so we do try to disambiguate that for regular people as much as possible by assigning and categorizing all of our products by the mood that they bring on. That's why mm-hmm. the it's oh, called mood. Um, so, you know, we've got energized and sleepy time and erotic and social and chill and all the rest of it. But for somebody who's thinking about kind of the stigma of it, mm-hmm. it's uh, if you grew up in a time when when cannabis was completely criminalized, it's it's kind of hard to wrap your head around. And yes. I, during that time as well. Um, but the fact us, is, us you know, too. in 2018, the feds signed off on this. Like it, it's plain mm-hmm. clear as day. Um, these products are federally lawful. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And and let's face it, they went into it for the tax money. They went into it just so all of us can have a better time. So yeah. who who is the um, who's the sampler? And do you need samplers? <laughs> We're always looking for samplers. We have a <laughs> we have a sample program going, and uh, it's a combination <laughs> of folks within the company that want to take part in that, sure. and friends of food. Yeah. And, you know, no bullshit. If you want to be a sampler, I'm happy to connect you. Well, he, here you go, David, because <laughs> I was in the Navy. I was in anti-submarine warfare, so I go. was the opposite of what uh, Switchy was doing. And I was in Virginia a lot. Yes. Gitmo. And I was an ET. So what do you got for an ex-Navy person who's a who's an ET, you know, radio who's living in the UK. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Something something electrified. With his hedgehogs. <laughs> First of all, a lot of gratitude. Thank you for your service. You're welcome. I enjoyed every minute of it. He had the easiest service ever, ever by anyone. He was he was he was uh, stationed in Newark, no, Newport, Rhode Island. Where they don't let one percenters in, they let the one percent of the one percenters in, and no Viet Cong ever got as far as Newport. So, right. But I was out fighting commies and fascists there you hand go. to hand. There but you, you got to remember, this was ni- 1968 to 73. That was oh, a rough oh. time to be in the military. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd imagine it couldn't have been too popular. I was yeah. in college getting high on these kind of products. So right, yeah, we are. So, so what Coming happened? Off the fat of the land, while I was serving my country proudly, and uh, fortunately there wasn't any uh, shots fired in anger in my direction. You ever, you ever read uh, Richard Marchinko, Marchinko or Marcinko? Oh yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. The SEAL Team it's, guy, right? Yeah, yep. yeah SEAL Team no. guy. Yeah, yeah, we're familiar with those with those books. So, um. Uh, were you in the military yourself? You said no, right? No, I I uh, I was supposed to go to MEPS. I, I'd taken my practice ASVAB, and I was supposed to go to MEPS, and I wanted to be a nuke, just like my father. Mm-hmm. And uh, I scored high enough on the practice ASVAB. They said, yep, you, you should be fine. And uh, it's time to go, and I couldn't find my birth certificate. And uh, I said, you know, I'm really sorry. I, I got to order a replacement birth certificate. I yeah, can't yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. And in the interceding four or five weeks or so, you thought it over. Get my replacement. I thought, you know what? Signing up to be a nuke is two years of school, which I mm-hmm. hate. It's yes. math. Yes, yes. I don't like. And then it's four years after that. Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't know that I really it's want your to. Thing, be. Yeah. 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 And then after that, what you know, that's what you you know, that's what your maybe your career is gonna be. So did you ever think you'd be doing this though? I mean, this is this is very, very um modern, you know? I mean, it was talking about selling THC products to the mail here. It's incredible for someone who you know, grow up in this era that I did. Totally. Yeah, no, when my, my it was my co-founder's idea. And when he came to me, he's a Canadian. Mm. And, uh, you know, he said, look, I've, I've been working in cannabis up in Canada. There's this huge opportunity to do this legally in the United States. He said, what are you talking about? Like, there's no opportunity here. Cannabis is everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's no unfair advantage that we could actually drum up. And he said, trust me, look at it. And so I did. And, and uh, no, it was a total surprise. I, you know, yeah, this yeah. time two years ago, I never would have imagined, um, being able to do this and right. not having to look over my shoulder. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so we were far, walking so around far. with a half a joint in our pocket and we were considered carrying and we were looking over your shoulder yeah, all yeah. the time so much so you're walking into light posts. <laughs> yes. It was awful. Did that That's so, a real danger. So this because week, we got about... Back in the 60s, man. It was, that's what it was like. Back in the 60s. Yeah. Uh, we what got about, about four pain, like arthritis pain? There you go. Switching. Four minutes. Um, I feel like I, I, I can't talk about this, but somebody else can. Okay. Okay. The medical uh, aspect of it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it relieves a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, be real. Some people just really just count on it. I know someone who refuses to smoke, you know, join anything, but uses THC for no uh, CBD 
for his knees, you know. I mean, he's a football had you know football injuries from years ago, and they work. You know, whether it's mind over matter, who knows? The last guy in the world to be using this stuff, he's using it, so it it has to be helpful on some level. And it's the yeah. stigma that has to go away. The stigma of it has to go Ab- away. Absolutely. You look at the history of why this stuff was criminalized in the first place, and as far as I understand, it was an anti-Mexican, anti-black sort of policy, I, and I then they made reefer madness out of it. Sure. Yep. And then you know the the, the you know couple hundred years since. It's taken a long time for us to call bullshit. Yeah, yeah. But if you look back over history, I mean, this stuff's in the Bible. It's been used by people for thousands of years for yep. all sorts of reasons. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hashif has you been know, around for club a club was in Reefer Madness. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, that was your favorite one, huh? Yeah, this here back then. <laughs> wow. Well, so listen, so what, one last question before we go. First of all, we want you to tell people how they can get in touch with you. But what kind of music do you listen to? We ask everyone this. Um, it's Okay. Taylor Swift, uh, tell us. I, I I like everything from Bach to uh-huh. Russian techno. Oh wow! I like these, you know, classic rock. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, singer song. I got to say, this guy, this Oliver Anthony, mm-hmm. with his uh, "Rich Man North of Richmond." It's a great song. Okay, yeah. I like everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow, Rush, Russian techno is good. I've actually heard some Russian techno. It's uh. It's- yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. it's cringe. Like yeah. you hear it and you're like, like almost embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. Person. But some of it's really catchy. <laughs> yeah, it's Russian rock and roll. It's Russian dance music or whatever. That's it's cool. Like 90s disco tech. Like the wall has just come down and like they just got their like the the, the first synthesizer yeah. in the country. And like so the first ops. Out. They got the first ops. So so uh, tell people how they can um, find out more about your product. Absolutely. In, in your uh, you can check us out at Hello Mood, H E L L O M O O D dot C O M. Hello Mood.com. Hello uh, we offer uh, 20% off your first order, 90 day satisfaction guarantee, no hassles, no worries. If you don't like it, we'll make it right. Mm-hmm. I'm a customer. That's why we're here tonight. Um, I was just, I just couldn't believe it. I had to do it and I did it. And then boom, you know, it was there two days later. It was great. It was worth the money. I mean, just the, the vibe of the company is really cool. You know, it really is. So, so listen, how about this? How about if a few of us become samplers and then every week we'll be able to kind of, you know, mention the company? How's that? Okay. I'd love that. Yeah, okay. yeah, absolutely. We would too. Okay. Well, th- thank you. Hey, listen, let's clap them off again. Okay, David Charles. Oh, thank you very much. Hey, listen, I think he's doing Amazing. a great thing. I, I think you're doing a great thing. Thank you. Very informative. You know, open it up. You know, people who you know would like to have this stuff. You know, it relieves a lot of things and relieves a lot of anxiety too. So, uh, why don't we take a commercial break now? I'll talk about anxiety and calm down, and we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Mac Maloney's Military Express Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. Please stay tuned. UFOs are found in Renaissance art, on ancient coins, and etched on cave walls. They're even reported in the Bible. But more surprising is when UFOs are seen the most in times of war. Through centuries, thousands of UFO sightings have been made by high-ranking officials, military pilots, and ordinary soldiers. Often, these fantastic appearances occur at the height of great battles. From World War I to D-Day to Korea, Vietnam, and beyond, military investigators are baffled. Why do UFO sightings spike so drastically during wartime? Could it be mistaken aircraft, or is someone, or something, looking in on us? In UFOs in wartime, what they didn't want you to know, Mac Maloney chronicles centuries of these incredible sightings and tries to solve the puzzle of why so many UFOs are seen while humanity is at war. Read about the scare ships, the ghost planes, and the ghost rockets, alien giants in the jungles of Vietnam, UFOs controlling our ICBM bases, 
dogfights with flying saucers during the Gulf War, and more. 300 pages of unbelievable stories, along with many startling photographs. That's UFOs in Wartime, What They Didn't Want You to Know, by Mac Maloney. On sale at your local bookstore or on Amazon.com. show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. Wow, what a show we've had already tonight. Um, let me introduce the members of the posse. Okay, girls, he's here. Very famous one one. Hello, girls. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I'm sure they I've are. been having a blast. This has been a good one tonight. This has been an unusual show, but yeah, a fun one. Also, yeah. in on the fun is our national correspondent, Switchblade Steve Warren. Switchy. Great to be here tonight. Six Entenmann Donuts since of the day. Six. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. That's, that's a bit of an exaggeration. Go ahead. Four stretched yeah. over a period of time. Okay. Now, this is what didn't. You know, just sit down with a couple of cups of coffee and just, you know, pig out. Can I just mention one thing? The day is not over. That's true. There's some <laughs> left in the box. But, Six. Uh, you, just, you just mentioned tacos. And so yes. I, I think they might be calling me. I might have to go out and get some. Tacos down in West Virginia. Very interesting. Uh, even, also- even though they're, you know, Taco Bell, they're still tacos in a way. In a way. Yeah. Yep. In a way. It's still beef, in a way, right? Yeah, in a way, yeah. <laughs> also with us is our uh, security chief, Willie Club. How you doing, WC? Hi, Mac. Hi, gang. Speak- oh, you know, I'm really high on tonight's show. Uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> For a number yeah, of reasons. That's- that was a good segment. Hey, we yeah, went from was, talking uh, about little balls to, uh, you know, getting pot through the mail. Uh, also with us is, uh, oh, uh, our <laughs> UFO mechanic getaway driver, <laughs> Over here burping, so I remember. I'm not him. burping. <laughs> I didn't. Burp. Arenado, a man of bees in cats. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm looking up that guy's website, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. You get high looking at it. That's cool. Afghan, <laughs> Afghan hash. Afghan. I mean, seriously. Can you believe this? Uh, also I was, with us. I was thinking, you know, if if the Black Crows were still in business, that would be a great band to uh, sponsor. Like a company like that to sponsor a tour with the Black Crows. You know what? That's not a bad idea, man. I, you know, I don't know about them, but the, there is some band out there that people know their names. They, actually, they were, that's a good name. You know, someone like that, White Snake, someone like that. You know, to you know, just put their name on the um, yeah. you know on the venue. Hmm. Yeah. That's the way the to Black do it. Black Crows were all, used to be all about weed and Smoke the whole thing. Their whole stage set, and I and I set it up one time. I did the Black Crow show. There was all, all these marijuana leaf banners and scrims and everything. <laughs> cool. Was, so they're all loaded. Wait, wait, wait. Are you telling me people were smoking reefer at this show? Can you imagine the, the Black, Black Crow show? Yeah. Oh, oh. yeah. There you go. This, is during, this is during the 1992 uh, <laughs> High as the Moon tour. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, that's, that's the devil That's right when the there. first album that's came that out. Is. That voice you hear is everybody's mother. <laughs> I am 100% no one's mother. <laughs> raven. raven. Fat, juicy hash. That's what they're saying. Well, my friends. <laughs> Fat Juicy Cash is their latest yeah. project on that. And also, I was looking at the website too. I'm like, oh, I got to get these sleepy gummies look because at this stuff. I need something to help me snooze. Dr. Bob Rose from Chicago also joining us. Dr. Bob, how are you doing? Yeah. 
Great. I'm still thinking about Raven's story that she told. I'm wondering which half of the cat was buried. Oh, Whoa. my God. No. What was yeah, that about? They just referred to it as the corpse, and I was just like, like this little baby. Wait, thing. the cat's meow. We must have been figuring the time before that. What, did you tell a story about a cat that's, what, halfway buried? <laughs> what? No, you went out of the Yeah, way. like oh. you went. 20 minutes oh. ago. Oh, okay. Oh, I was in a... Uh, the Toronto Tunnel He was indisposed. Yeah, I was in uh, high-level discussions of Pistol Pete, as it turns out. I figured. Yeah, okay. Oh, wow. So what half of the cat was buried? They found a cat buried a by kitten, this... A dead kitten. A dead kitten. Yeah, they found him. Also... Which I don't, I don't think, like... Like, in my mind, it's like, okay, well... I don't think the, the the tunnel monster did anything. Like I think it probably just died down there yes. because I, I don't know. Like oh. they didn't say there was any trauma to the body, but oh, I don't right. know. It's oh, the seventies, so the dead kittens. How about that for a band name? Oh. The dead kittens. No, no one punk? would go see them because that's horrible. Too punk. Okay. Wow, interesting. Okay, so anyway, we're all here, right? I introduced everybody. Right? Okay. Good. I'm looking gonna look around and see if anyone raised their looking hand. at their website. Yeah. Everyone's looking at their website. Okay. What's the name of it again? Hello Mood. Hello Mood. Hello Mood. Hello Mood dot com. And they sell hashish. They sell through the mail. Legally. Okay. That's another amazing thing. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the amazing thing. Yeah. yeah. In Oklahoma City. Yeah, of wow. all places, it's the most conservative place like in yeah. the freaking world. And he, they're right in the middle of it. And they they hire a lot of veterans, so Hello, move, yeah. you know? <clears throat> wow. But anyway, for a change of move. If I was in the U.S. right now, I'd be I'd be uh, firing up my Challenger and driving down there. Really? Yeah. Just to say hi. Maybe a road trip. Just to say hi. Okay. Oklahoma is a long road trip. Hey, listen, we're going to do that sample thing. Guaranteed. Okay. But okay. Uh, I think Switchy should be one of the samplers. How about that? Will you be the hashish yeah. sampler? Switch? Uh, wait, do what now? Yeah, take take the samples or, or <laughs> did you say run them? <laughs> Both. Give them to your cats. See what happens. Oh, yeah. Look. Don't give yeah. them to your cats. No. no. Don't do that. Look. But why yeah, don't if we you're s- not a beer yeah. person, you can I'll, always I'll, try uh, some I'll, of the ganja. Yes. Take one on air. Yeah. Oh, that'd be how Ooh. good would that be? Oh, oh that would be funny. We should all <laughs> maybe, do that. Maybe we should two. all take an edible one night to, before the show. Maybe two. Oh, an hour for it. He's already hooked. Maybe two. He said. <laughs> I only had an edible once, but I didn't inhale. There you go. Wow. <laughs> I could be that naked piano Doctor. player. We heard that story. Oh, oh sweet pie. There you go. But I, I don't have a piano, but yeah. we can play the organ. Oh, wait a minute. There you go. Led right into that. So, Switch, <clears throat> you know, uh, hilarity aside, you must have a um, report for us tonight? Well, not exactly, but I, I do have, I am working on a report okay. that I'll be giving with the crew, with the gang yes. at the Exeter UFO Festival. Yeah, in New Hampshire, coming up uh, this weekend. But when the when the folks hear this, it'll be two weeks from now. So we're in the future, in other words, right? When well, we, so they can they can plan for the following year. When, uh, when we put if your, we get invited back, they can hear us. Fifty fifty chance. Put your bumper in now. And now it's time for another story from the lost annals of the paranormal. It's time for Steve Ward's report. From the fringe. Okay, switch, tease us. Okay, well, it's, it's going to be about uh, uh, aliens or, or humanoids or wh- whatever this, uh, these things are, whether they're extra dimensionals, ultra terrestrials, uh, crypto terrestrials, as some people believe they're hidden civilizations here. And so it, it's going to be in, in a few parts. I want to, I want to talk about the, uh, the various uh, uh, close encounters of the third kind. Now, of course, it was Dr. J. Allen Hynek 
who used to be attached to Project Blue Book, that finally separated, cut those apron strings, and started the Center for UFO Studies in Evanston, Illinois. He was the one that uttered the infamous phrase swamp gas because he was still tied to the Air Force at the time. And some of the sightings in Michigan were, were spectacular. There was a landing on the Frank Manor Farm in, in Dexter, Michigan, which is near Ann Arbor. And uh, he, uh, he had to tread carefully because they wanted him to downplay everything. So he suggested that some of the sightings might be swamp gas. Well, uh, he went on to become one of the good guys. He started the Center for UFO Studies. He wrote a book called The uh, UFO Experience. And that's where he outlined the categories for, for uh, close encounters. We are familiar with the film Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yes. And that is uh, the Close Encounters of the Third Kind is a sighting of some kind of a UFO, unidentified flying object, along with some kind of entity. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the, the first two, the first one was uh, the sighting of a UFO within about 500 or 600 feet. The second one was an important category. It was the uh, uh, trace evidence, because so many of these things, whether they saw an entity or not, uh, would leave landing marks, burn marks, right. uh, radiation burns on the individual. Some people received uh, conjunctivitis, which is an eye burn mm. because of the close proximity of these things. Mm. Uh, there was a, a great researcher named Ted Phillips that, uh, that literally investigated thousands of these cases. He was a friend and colleague of Dr. Hynek. So, uh, so it was, it was Dr. Hynek that, that set up this category. Well, that's what we'll be, what I'll be talking about is the uh, the Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh, and also, we're going to get into some really bizarre stuff. Uh, when, when you first break it down uh, and you look at uh, different parts of the globe where people were experiencing these things, uh, there was almost like uh, a cultural difference in some of these experiences. Mm -hmm. uh, some, of the, some of the early uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind in the U.S. were almost like bug-eyed monsters. I mean, you have the Kelly Hopkinsville goblins. You mm -hmm. had the Flatwoods monster, you know. Yep. Uh, you had a lot of these guys jumping out of uh, uh, spacecraft, I guess, and collecting soil samples and so forth. Uh, in France, you had a couple waves in the 50s. These guys are almost like uh, layback aristocrats. I mean, they're a little short. They got silver suits on. But it's just kind of like they're observing things. And there's there's no... Uh, no muss, no fuss, and yes, yes. Uh, we're just here, and then we're going to take off again. Uh, <laughs> you take take the uh, the majestic airships around the late 1800s. Right, yeah. Uh, they were these guys were like rugged individualists. They're like like farmers, like American farmers. And then we get to South America, and mm. South America has always seemed to have been kind of bad news, and for whatever reason, you go back, uh, you know, a Jim and Coral Lorenzen of the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization. They. Uh, <clears throat> They were the ones that uh, they, they were the ones that kind of broke the barrier of writing books about UFOs, but they were not afraid to talk about flying saucer occupants. Mm. And that was actually the title of one of their books. Yes. One of their, com their competing organization headed by Donald E. Kehoe, the National uh, Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena. Mm -hmm. They were they were he would write all day about uh, flying saucers and uh, UFOs, uh, but they're very. I guess they didn't want to seem uh, they, they wanted to try and keep some kind of credibility. Mm -hmm. So they're very resistant to talk about the occupants. But but Jim and Coral Lorenzen, you know, we had, again, all the classic cases, Kelly Hopkinsville goblins, the Cisco Grove incident, um, 
uh, Gary Wilcox and his uh, the aliens that sounded like Germans. I mean, <laughs> on and on. And again, this is before the Greys came in. You, you've heard me before yes. whine and complain about the Greys because back in the old days, ladies and gentlemen, we had the best aliens of all time. They were so cool and a big variety, very interesting uh, uh, confrontations, connections, and experiences. And then the Greys came in. And, and sometimes I wonder, were they just the new kids on the block elbowing everybody out? Yes. Or does, some, does it have something to do with the fact that they showed up around the same time in the late 70s and early 80s when we had Close Encounters of the Third Kind film, and then Whitley Strieber's communion right. with the striking image of the gray on the cover. Right. I don't know. I right. don't know how to answer that. But Whitley Strieber. Whitley Strieber. Yeah, the biggest fraud in UFOs. Biggest fraud in UFOs. I just want to go on record. <laughs> well, I, saying I, that I, I don't know that I'd go there. But anyway. This is a guy. Um, yes. Yeah. He, he lied about being in the Texas shooting massacre, the guy who shot the 36 people from the tower in Texas. He said he was in that and saved people. You know, and was beside bleeding bodies, and and even his mother said he was nowhere near it. It was you know safe and comfortable in Seattle or someplace. So, so that's why he's a fraud. How can you believe anything else he said after that? Sorry, Switch, you will take that out if you want. Oh, that's well, it's your show. You okay, know. go ahead. That's okay. Switch. It's just I just don't want you to so, cut my per diem. No, but, no, don't worry about that. So, are you saying that because of the movie? It's in people's well, heads, and they want, and then suddenly they want to see what they, you know, they want to see what they see. If you know what I mean, they want to see what they want to see. That goes back. Forgive me, I'm going to mention the name John Keel. Okay. He uh, he saw that he he talked about these things being paranormal mimicry, being reflective in nature, and possible transmogrifications of energy. Yes. Like we were sort of co-creating some of these experiences along with whatever intelligence or force was a natural condition of the planet. Uh, the uh, when you when you talk about the technology uh, that we've seen over the years, from the airships to the uh, the ghost planes to the ghost rockets mm -hmm. to the Foo Fighters, it's sort of this this it, the uh, the presentation, the manifestation, whatever it is, mm -hmm. seems to change along with the way we do. Yes, and it's always technology a little bit ahead of us. Yes, so it's just a suggestion that perhaps you know perhaps these things are not all. Uh, individual, separate flesh and blood and nuts and bolts entities, perhaps something else is going on. Perhaps something uh, we are co-creating. Mm -hmm. I don't think that could it could explain everything. But it's just it's just interesting that uh, back in the old days, it was hard to find a gray. Those guys weren't around very much. Yes, yes. But nowadays, they, they've got uh, they got everything. They got the uh, they got the monopoly. And right. they need to be broken up. But is that because also, um, like, for instance, the ghost rockets and the ghost um, planes showed up on radar? Okay. Right. That's one, th that's one way you can prove that these things were actual, like, nut and bolts. But other things that people see, you know, probably won't show up on radar, let's say. So, well, I think, I think some of the uh, – call them tulpas, call them projections or whatever. I think some of those can possibly – show up on radar as well. Yeah, Can is... I add a little something? Sure. Yes, Dr. Bob, but please. Uh, that's one area that I've been researching lately too, and it has to do with uh, consciousness and uh, normal perception of a UAP as a form actually of controlled hallucination. And what you see is based on the information that you're putting into your brain. Go ahead. So a lot of what Steve is saying is coming back now is that's what people are really experiencing. Why, and, and you why, know why? From, from your studies that a group of people will be looking at a UFO, UAP, and not all see the same thing. Right. Some it's, not see anything. Exactly. Um, uh -huh. And it, it's it's a very strange experience. Now, uh, 
so anyway, my I, I'm going to be talking about uh, uh, the uh, certain patterns that people seem to have discovered with the way humanoid sh humanoids show up. Yep. It's like certain times of the day. If there's a an outbreak of humanoid reports, there's a certain certain times of the day, like That's uh, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m., where crazy. you're more likely to have the experience. High noon, you might as well just go to lunch because yeah. you're probably not going to see one. But That's the interesting thing about that is that it seems like if you crunch the, the data, and the, the data comes from Albert Rosales, who has an amazing humanoid database that goes all the way back to up to 1 AD yes. to 2015 and beyond. I mean, he's published 15 books to cover it. Uh, it seems that the this this time period, 10 to 2, is fixed in every time zone, <laughs> suggesting that as the globe turns, the point of manifestation or the point of entry stays the same. That's and that is, is bizarre, that? if true. It's like some kind of um, some kind of ray or something, you know, hitting the earth. The earth is turning. The ray stays in the same place, and all the weird stuff, ha you know, happens within the. Wow, that's that's well, well, that's, that's a Maj Jamaludin, yeah. who I don't know much about. He wrote a book called uh, uh, 60 Years of Suppressed Evidence," and it's about the the humanoids humanoids from 1947 mm -hmm. to 2006, and uh, he. Uh, he had written a lot of articles in Flying Saucer Review, so he's been around a long time. Incredible yeah. guy. Yeah. And uh, but he also found, and he calls them humanoid migrations. It seems like uh, these happen in eight to ten years cycles, and uh, it starts out somewhere in South America. You have an outbreak, or have have a, a, a bunch of humanoid reports. Yep. And then that fades away, and then it'll move up to the North American continent, mm -hmm. the U.S. or Canada. Then it moves over to uh, uh, the British Isles or the continent. Yes. And then Malaysia. And then and then back again, eight to ten year cycles. So, How you much know, is that? It, it's, it's something really the... fascinating is going on. And speaking of South America, what I'll be getting to are some of the most bizarre UFO experiences, contacts, attempted abductions right. that ha that occur. These are like uh, oftentimes to uh, farmers in the middle of nowhere that had some exposure to, uh, you know, flying saucers, UFOs. But for the most part, back in the 70s and so forth, they weren't, in, you know, bombarded with the pop culture that we have. Right, and you, right. you, I, I'll, I'll be talking about some experiences where the, the farmer is walking uh, home at night and all of a sudden this bright light shows up and they look up in this craft or whatever is above them. And there, there are certain patterns that show up. The mm -hmm. bright light, and sometimes it's so bright they can't even tell what they're looking at. Yep, yep. Uh, they, they, they experience both cold and heat. Sometimes they're, there's kind of like sucked up by like a, a tractor beam. Hang on. Uh, and and the look up inside and see people in there remember the uh the short story the most dangerous game uh, no uh richard uh connell his the uh he uh the guy the protagonist falls off a boat and and and, and, and swims to an island and there's this uh big game hunter there mm. and his deal is he likes to hunt people ooh, ooh. so he sets this guy off and he's tracking him, yes, yes. and it's it's a, it's a matter. It's, it's a great classic story if you can find it. That's when when some of these experiences that I'll be talking about. It makes me think of that these these uh, these entities with with deadpan expressions on their face, hunting us. You know, hunting almost like hunting humans, uh, very in a very callous manner. Right. Uh, and this was a, a lot of this information comes from uh, Bob Pratt, 
uh, who wrote a book called UFO Danger Zone, and uh, mm. Cynthia Lucy, who wrote another book, they were they were colleagues. They would go all over South America, rent uh, private planes and so forth, talk to a lot of people yes. that, uh, uh, that they would just ask around, and they would find people that they had hundreds of experiences over there mm -hmm. that we are, are just completely unaware of, and many of them are very violent. You know, it's funny, uh, flying private planes around South America could indicate another kind of business, but... Thank sounds, you. Sounds like Predator. Thank you. Well, I was thinking of something else. Thank you, Switchy, for that report, for that tease. And I'm going to throw it to the club because club is also – we're going to clap for Switchy. Hands eventually. <clears throat> now we're going to throw it to club. Club, we want you to tease us, and we'll put your bumper in right here. Reporting the latest in the U.S. military's new investigation into UFOs and what they still aren't telling you. It's time for the Club Report. Club, tease us, please. Well, Mac, as you know, Without I've been, donuts. in the last year or so, I've been focused on the whole issue of uh, asteroids and uh, potential impacts to the Earth. And I'm going to be talking about the U.S. government. I think, you know, we worry about the government not being open with us uh, as far as what's going on with uh, aliens and UAPs. But, you know, my focus changed a while ago when I started to realize how important and how much of a threat uh, these asteroids are out there. Um, and the reason I, I changed my focus, because, of course, I do, I do feel that obviously there are aliens out there, but I've never seen, and I think anyone else can say that we've really had any real threats from them. You know, we don't know what's going on with that, but whatever it is, you know, the my focus now is on what is a real threat, and that is uh, what can and will happen to the Earth over time because of these uh, asteroids. And I'm going to talk about some of the facts here and why I think the government has really gotten very serious about this over the past couple of years. And again, the old way they talked about they don't want to tell us about aliens because they don't want to scare us, you know, or whatever. But I believe uh, from what I've found in my research that clearly the government has changed focus, putting a lot of attention in this area. And uh, I will discuss that and, you know, some of the things about what's out there that we haven't seen and why, why it really is something that we should be concerned about. We should be concerned about, obviously, climate change, which you know is a major threat. But aliens, not as much, because they've never done a negative thing to us that we know of. You know, we've been up on abductions and all that, but people come back. And uh, uh, so anyways, you know, right now, our focus, I believe, the U.S. government has really turned on this whole business of uh, the asteroids and the impact on Earth and things happening a lot more often than we uh, expect. And so I'll cover that just to go over some of the things the different government agencies have been coming up with and the expenses that they've been putting in there. And noticeably that we're not hearing a lot about it. We just hear little things once in a while about how they're now trying to aim at, you know, uh, asteroids to try to deflect them. So that's supposed yeah. to make us feel better as if, you know, yeah. something's going on. But, you know, you don't hear a lot about it. And that's the problem with our government, as we know. A lot of times things are uh, kept, you know, in there and, and not shown. So we need more transparency. And uh, uh, 
Uh, so that's what I'm going to talk about and, and hopefully explain why we ought to be uh, thinking now that this threat is real. It's not, you know, an asteroid's going to hit us in another 65 million years like it hit the dinosaurs. No, things are quite a bit different now because we've learned so much from the technology that's been developed over the years. For example, the Webb telescope, the ability of DART to go up there and, you know, uh, go after an asteroid and see if it can deflect it. So, um, and we've discovered so many more asteroids and comets out there that we didn't know were there. And still, it's only a fraction of what there is. And more importantly, we're way behind in our ability to try to get going here to protect the Earth from these things and the lead time that's needed. So, so that's what I'm going to talk about. A little bit off what we normally do at a UFO conference, but I think it clearly is something that is, you know, belongs in that genre, that uh, what's going on and, and uh, where the focus of the government really is going. The UFO subjects seem to be the fun subjects, you know, that yeah. no, nobody's ever been hurt by a UFO. Well, there's been people who have been, you know, abducted and maybe probed or something. And then, you know, they dropped uh, five, 50 miles away from where they were picked up or something. I guess that's a little hurtful, but it almost seems to be like a certainty it has been established that the earth is going to get hit in less than a hundred years from now or something. Right. Well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you the exact date. You have okay. to be at the, but okay. you'll, you'll find out. There when you're uh, on board here uh, next Monday. Willie, is there but anything but I know? think you're going to find out that UFOs, in some cases, have actually harmed and even killed people. Well, very, all, very I can, rare. all I can say, Switch, you know, you're the contrarian in this, and I understand that, and you should be. But um, show me, you know, show me the beef. You know, there's all this talk, but show me the beef. And I got a lot of proof about what a, has happened over the last millions of years to this earth by, uh, you know, actual things. Just ask the dinosaurs if asteroids are a threat, you know. So uh, that's why I'm not downplaying the, the risk that we have with, uh, with alien life and extraterrestrials. No, I, I, we don't know what, they're, what they want to do, what, what's going on. Maybe they're sitting up there. You know, and just waiting for us to, to blow ourselves up. And that could be the negative impact of us that don't do anything, wait over time, and, and the Earth's either going to demolish themselves by climate change or by a nuclear war. And uh, as you notice, although we don't see them doing anything to hurt us, they're not doing anything to help us. And yeah. there's talk recently that there's no proof of their, this re engineering and all that. If they really wanted to help us, we would have technology now that would help us with the asteroid situation, with what's going on in the world now, all the wars. So if if they're helping us, they're very passive. Well, eventually they're going to make a deal with us. I think they're going to come up with the, the big package and say, hey, look, okay, let's sit down at the table. And we're tired of uh, horsing around here. We're good, you know, we've, we've got... We, we've got something that you want, Earthlings, and here's the plan. And, you know, maybe uh, maybe there could be something in the works because we have to we have to think somewhere along the line, we have to think positive about what the outcomes are going to be. Because if we constantly well, think I, negative, uh, well, that's, that's where the government well, is. Well, you're going to be, a, I'm a realist. Yeah. 
you know, and, and you know, when you talk about, well, someday they're going to come down there, what the hell are they waiting for? We've known about them for 100 years. Why, why are they so yeah. patient? Yeah, and why are they? How do we know? Right. Well, well, well the, uh, you know, how they, you said the Earth or the universe was like 13.7 billion years old. Yeah. And I think now they, they have information, I guess, from the, uh, the Webb telescope that's almost twice that old now. There's something like 27 point some billion years old. So it's going to take them, if they're out there, it's going to take them longer to get here. Well, yeah. you know, Dr. Bob, we don't know the technology. We couldn't even imagine the technology that they have. They could go from one place to another in, you know, an hour or microseconds. We just don't have any feel for that. But you got to expect that their technology is so advanced that when we look at how long it takes us to go to the moon or Mars, I mean, that's a joke. So I, I really think that, and these are my own personal opinions. I'm no expert, but. but so really long as their intentions aren't to serve man, if you know what I mean. Uh, absolutely. But and, and if they are, I hope they eat the, uh, you know, the workout nuts first. Well, <laughs> have, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm, well, anyway. I'm safe. Oh. Per oh, you're definitely safe. Thanks for the. Whose who's lifetime is this going to impact? I mean, oh, me? is, this, is this going to impact? Our lifetime, the asteroids. Yeah, I, I don't want to let that out. That's well, I mean, the, uh, I mean, we talk. I mean, I'm, I'm next week. speaking for myself. I'm not talking about a long time here. You know, I mean, it, well, you <laughs> might never have know. to worry about it. Uh, I may not you have may, to worry about it. All, right. all that honey. You know, our kids might have to worry about it. Well, I don't have any kids, so I'm, I'm not. You know, there's there's no worry there. He's got the bees, though. We'll get more specific. We have to think about the bees on Monday. Yeah, 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 yeah. It'll be fun. We've we've done the festival twice. In the past three years, always a lot of fun. Exeter, New Hampshire, is a funny place because uh, other than doing this, it's uh, famous for Exeter Academy, where like Lincoln's kids went to school. That's how old mm. money, excuse me, this place is. It's Phillips, right? Phillips it's Exeter, Phillips Exeter Academy, and that's where presidents, you know, go to school. Or, you know, all these dumbos that are running stuff. Um, and it's a very you could put it on the uh, like on a on a on a calendar or a postcard for a typical New England town. You know, in in autumn, let's say, and but every um, every year for three days they go nuts. Everything is like UFO burgers and people walking around dressed as aliens, and it draws a lot of people who really are into the topic. Let's say, you know, and it's a and lot of fun. The weather forecast for the weekend is spectacular. Is it good weather? That's good. Yeah, yeah. They do all kinds of stuff. It's 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 very entertaining. You know, there's a sense of humor about the whole experience, especially in the bar rooms and stuff, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot of fun, you know. It's a lot of fun. So you, even the police um, get into it. They they actually uh, put out a, a, a patch for their uniforms. Yeah, it has a every year that has an alien on it, and they change it Imagine every that. year. So you know, they they actually sell them for part of the fundraiser. You know, some cop pulls you out and he has got an alien on his shoulder. You go, come on, pal. <laughs> and there was an you alien. got to give me a break. <laughs> there was an alien parked in in the cruiser sitting out in front of the uh, place where you spoke last time. Oh, right, yeah. They had, an, they had a green alien sitting in the driver's seat of the police cruiser. <laughs> Good thing they don't no banks are robbed. That'd be cool. The alien, alien cop. Come on, who's writing this stuff down? Alien cop, right? An yeah. alien comes to Earth. He can't get off Earth, so they make him a cop. Yeah. Right? Okay. Right. You can't get another job, so yeah. And his name is O'Leary. We'll make him Irish. <laughs> what was that movie they did that with? Um, with the guy and the oh, RV. Oh, well, uh, Is it one name, wasn't it? Paul? Paul. Or Phil? Yes. Something no, like that. Paul, 
Paul wasn't a cop. No. Well, P- Paul was, was an alien. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who came to you Earth? You mean FBI agent? No, not Paul. No. No, you're Paul thinking. You're, dog, you're thinking of Amer- American did, Dad. And became uh, he was a golden retriever, who no. got <laughs> no. at the beginning and it became Paul. No, no. What? No, 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 no. What are you watching? What are you watching? Sven Gulli. You watch Paul. Someone get into the the edibles here. Spaceship comes and it lands on in some place in New Hampshire, and it hits the dog in the field, the golden retriever, and that's how. Paul shows up. Wait a minute. Isn't Paul like a, a, a an alien what? that swears? They they tell you know he he, he swears a lot and and what's his yeah. name? Yeah, that's how we, that, so. that's how the show starts. That's how he gets to Earth. I got to do a rewatch. Crashes. I don't remember any of that. Isn't, isn't what's I his name? He was an FBI crashes agent. in a field and it hits a golden retriever that's walking along. Now the golden retriever's name was Paul. Oh, and that's how he got the name. Oh, okay. uh, and then the rest of it is just, yeah, he's, I love it because it's R X rated. You know, he's, uh, what? he learns a lot about life very quickly in the world. Uh, Club, as a dog or as, as a person? As an alien. Uh, Club, could you hold those edibles up to the screen again? I want to take that name down. <laughs> oh, you really want them? <laughs> wow, hey, I, I remember a, a movie that was about uh, Goldie Hawn's husband is in it. Uh, you know, and he's like a swearing alien, and they're trying to, you know, find them and dissect them. Is that a different movie? Oh, yeah. Close yeah. oh, Encounters? Yeah, what, which one is that? Uh, yeah, well, I think Kurt Russell. Starman yeah. with uh, Jeff Bridges? Maybe I'm missing. <laughs> Except uh, Jeff Bridges. We are. Hey, they get the same scripts, all believe me. <laughs> listen, listen, it's time. Switch, he already he's had the train wreck up. The entire show. <laughs> and rightly so. What does that tell you? I want to thank everybody. Let's go in a quiet, orderly manner. Dr. Bob Gross, thank you for joining us. Let's clap for the doctor. Thank you, Mac. Thank you, everyone. It's a pleasure being here again. Watching over us. We appreciate that. Continue toddling out there, okay? I will try that. Toddling down. Chicago. Um, thank you very much, Club. Club. Thank you very much, Club, for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. It was very uh, enlightening. And we'll be in contact about the festival. Are you going to the meet? Are you going to the meet and greet Saturday night? No, I won't be able to. Yeah, uh, I won't either. Because of my wife's brother, but well, <laughs> okay. I'm definitely looking forward. To I will talk before, and we'll figure out where to meet up and practice and yeah, stuff. Yeah, okay. yeah, I want uh, technical details and all. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Switchy, you're coming into town when? Uh, sometime uh, Friday. Friday during the day Friday. I'm, yeah, I'm, okay. I'm leaving. Uh, Thursday morning sometime. Okay. And uh, I'm uh, going to spend the night somewhere. In a rest area or something cruising. like that? Sleeping on the back of the car? <laughs> are you, what, well, what, if, I, if I can't find a place to sleep, I will. Do you? What, are you still driving that uh, impact? Or what, the, what, what kind of no, caveat? No, the one I was uh, – remember you, you insisted that I uh, rent a car when I come out last Oh, that's time. right. Okay, yes. It's, it's, a, it's a good thing because it wasn't too long after that that, that, that particular car's transmission started going. Really? So, okay, that's but, bad. But no, I have a uh, Ford Fusion, which is doing very well. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, uh, and what are you renting? So, what are you renting? A T-Bird or something? I'm not renting anything. I'm driving sure my take car. the Fusion. Oh, his car. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fusion. Yeah, okay. It uh, doesn't have a whole hell of a lot of miles on it, so I That's know, good. hopefully uh, – I've got to take it to Van Meter mm-hmm. at the end of uh, the month as well. So Okay. We, well, Friday night, we'll up. take your car, okay? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Switch. Keep breaking up. Yeah. We'll, take okay. this. we'll see you soon. Um, Again, you know, comedy comes natural to me, Mac. Does it really? Hey, listen. People laugh even when I don't think I'm funny. Well, see, that's the problem. Now, look. Don't wear any of those screwy T-shirts, okay? I'm with idiot and stuff like that. 
I pulled oh, the quad rod out. I got about 12 of them Don't. in my backpack. I'm going to be in my backpack. Them. Leave them. change them every hour on the half Leave them at the mass yes. line, okay? Leave them, leave them out of New England, okay? And just, make, just sure wear all of them, and then as the out. hours go, just take them off, and then you'll have a new shirt underneath. No, 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 no. I've no, got, no, no. got weirdos think I'm weird. No, no, I've no, got, no. Uh, well, because you're be, I'm Steve, that's why. You're gonna be drinking uh, at the uh, the high strangeness factor. I've, I've got, I've got, you name it. I've got Mothman. I got the the Van Meter Visitor. Okay. I've got the Flatwoods Monster. I even somewhere have a Mac Maloney T-shirt. I was thinking of bringing them either. That's the scariest of all. There you go. I was thinking of bringing them to either the galley or the coma, but I don't think I'm bringing them anywhere, frankly, with those shirts. Oh, bring them, bring them Remember the... more Megan, more more Switch? Yeah, okay. Those are, yeah, that was back Somewhere in the year. Somewhere I've got that. I don't know where. Caveman I days. I think in a shallow grave. Uh, good. How shallow is a shallow grave? Quick. I I, I don't want to you know okay. dig that deep. It's a... <laughs> oh, wow. It's a trade secret. Okay. okay. Uh, Al Ronaldo, UFO mechanic. Time to start your engines. Yeah, time to get get going here. That's the code. Okay, we got the order in already for tacos. One one. Thank you, Ronnie. You're welcome. Okay. Always a pleasure. And we'll be in touch. And also, Raven. You know, we'll get that uh, Zoom invitation straightened out. And we're just going to do the show. Okay, we're just going. I'm not going to do a top ten okay. because I think it'd be hard to get that audience laughing at the top ten. But we'll get people, you know, out of the audience on the show and everything. It'll be fun. It'll be fun, right? And I'm sure everybody there will be a fan of the show. If they're, they, yeah, they, they, well, well, you know. they'll be they'll be pretty hardcore. We'll convert them into fans. They'll be hardcore. Right. The people who are there in the well, end. Are Juan, going. are you joining us? You're going to yeah, be. I'm, join, I'm, I'm going to zoom in. Raven and, and Juan are zooming in. Yeah, and they 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 uh, they assure me that's going to go problem free. So let's see what happens. There he goes, that's the good. fugitive. Switchy. Okay. Well, so we'll see everyone soon. And I think that's it, gang. So uh, this is Mac Maloney for. Uh, the entire gang saying, uh, until you hear us next time, be safe, be happy, and bye-bye. <laughs>